This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big Sills! Good Monday to you. Hopefully you had a great weekend, an Easter weekend. I was just telling Tone, food, family, and the Lord. Not much better, man. You had some sports kind of with the Masters. By the way, real quick, I never, ever in a million years ever want to see Tiger Woods leave the scene. I don't give a shit if he's carrying his leg. I don't care a shit if he's dragging his leg. I want to watch greatness all the time. Tiger Woods cannot dent what he has accomplished in his career. Why do you think people watch their favorite movies over and over again? Or listen to their favorite songs? It's because it reminds you of something that puts you in a good place. Tiger Woods, as a sports fan, puts you in a place of greatness. He's not the same guy he'll never be. I don't care. I don't care. It's awesome watching him go around and loop around a golf course. I don't care if he's not the same. I don't care. The more I see Tiger, I don't care if Tiger Woods, watch this, when Tiger goes to the Champions Tour, I'll watch that and not the PGA anymore. Dude, What I, I when people go... Hey, I hope he calls it a career and go. Why? Why? He's alive. He's not dead. He's accomplished. Don't you, when you see Joe Montana or Tom Brady, don't they remind you of great? You think Tom Brady, if he came back and played this year, would hurt his resume or his legacy? Come on, man. Those guys are difference makers. They're the needles. Tiger, I hope you keep playing as much as you want. And I'll be right there watching you. You think I'm going to sit around on a Thursday and watch John Rahm play golf? No, I don't care how good you look. How, how good you look over the world. I don't care. That is not appointment setting television. Tiger Woods is. John Rahm is not. Guy wins the Masters. I could care less. So, Tiger Woods, seal. No, please keep playing. Also, Pac Show, Mike Golick, bottom of the hour, former Eagle, who played right next to Jerome Brown. Would you draft Jalen Carter? With all the issues that are going on, would you draft him? Gary Cobb, obviously, 430 Eastern from. Fox 29 in Philadelphia will join us as well. So we have two former Eagles on. 
Mike Gullick, bottom of this hour. And at 4.30, we will have Gary Cobb. I'm going to get into the draft order here. We're 17 days out from the draft. By the way, all of a sudden now it's starting to pick up some steam about Bijan Robinson in the market there, whether or not they should draft him at 10. Okay? And people throw out, well, Kareem Hunt and Ezekiel Elliott and some of these other guys, those guys are out of gas. They have nothing to offer a team. Except for this, maybe. Those guys might be better than Bijan Robinson in pass protection, which is important. Which is important. It is. But not so much in the Eagle offense. And remember something about the Eagle offense. You know, people say this about the 10th pick and a running back. I don't want to use that equity for that position. The Eagles have a unique offense. You're not the Patrick Mahomes offense or the Joe Burrow offense. you got to protect Jalen Hurts. Your best running back right now is your quarterback. Last year it wasn't. Hey, before we get, before we get any further, do you know how many people think that Miles Sanders had a good season last year? Good, great, spectacular. What kind of season do you think he had a year ago? Just curious. On a scale of 1 to 10, what kind of season do you think Miles had a year ago? Okay? Ezekiel Elliott to the Eagles. Give me a break. That's a waste of money. Yes. He's got nothing left. Jeff goes a 9. Chico goes good. Well, let me hook you up here. He had a seven. Would it shock you that that, um, Miles Sanders had the eighth greatest single season rushing game season in Eagle history? McCoy, 16.07, one. Montgomery, two. 15.12.79. Waters, third. 14.11. Montgomery again, fourth, 1402. Westbrook, 1333 in 2007. McCoy at six and seven with 1319 and 09, 14 and 11. Deuce Daly, 1999. And Ricky Waters, 1273. And there's Miles Sanders, the ninth greatest rushing attack for a single season in Eagle history. And you think that's good? So you think Miles Sanders had a good season. Miles Sanders had one of the iconic seasons in Eagle history. Plus the fact he was a double-digit touchdown guy. I don't really think he played all that hot. Oh, okay, wait. Just the ninth greatest rushing season in Eagle history. He's okay. I love how people kind of change the narrative when a guy's no longer on the football team. Well, he was okay. Ninth greatest in the history of the team for a single season? We're not talking about the 20th best rushing season. We're talking about one of the best years in the history of the franchise. I don't care how you, hey, whatever. Ninth all-time in Eagle history. 
good season. He was the best running back. Now you've lost that. Now Jalen's back to being the best running back. Okay? Now Howie's. It still blows my mind. It really does. It blows my mind. How people still are doing this. I'd rather take the lesser player at 10. And I'm going to make a point to you here. Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Bijan Robinson, maybe Tyree Wilson. The rest of them? Those are your wild players in this draft. The rest of them are really good, probably through 25. This is not a great draft. This is not a great draft. So why at 10? If if those two guys are there, you're in luck. By the way, I think the Eagles are probably going to be sitting in a pretty good premium position at 10. Let me show you why. Here's the draft order. There's probably four, maybe five quarterbacks that will be taken. Okay, in this draft. Carolina Houston, right out of the gate. So then the third pick is either going to be Carter or Anderson. And probably Jonathan Gannon will go Will Anderson. Indy's going to take a quarterback. Would Seattle take Jalen Carter after just signing a guy to a big-time contract, a defensive tackle? Would they take another tackle? Or would they try to get more help in the secondary? Would they take... That's, that's a possibility, but... Could they take a quarterback to replace Geno Smith in two years with one of the guys? So Bryce Young and most likely C.J. Stroud are off the board. Would they take Levis here? Would they take Anthony Richardson here? Would they take Hendon Hooker here? I think it's defense or quarterback there at Seattle. Would Seattle want to make a move there at five? Maybe. Detroit. Could they take Jalen Carter? Yeah. But they need secondary help. Big time. They need corner help. Gonzalez or quarterback. Vegas, quarterback. Atlanta, quarterback. Defense is terrible. Could Jalen Carter go there? Would you move up from 10 to 8? Boy, I would if Carter's there. Wouldn't cost you the 30th either. Wouldn't cost you a 30th. It might cost you a second and a third and the 10th pick to move up to 8 to Atlanta. Now we're starting to talk about reasonable things. Chicago's got to take an old lineman. There's still two quarterbacks on the board. Does Howie either trade the pick? Take Carter? What does he do here? Trade down to get an O-lineman? 
I think Howie Roseman sitting at 10. I think he's in a great spot. Maybe the best spot outside of the top pick in the draft. Well, you know why? Because the Eagles have a great team. Look at all those teams in the top 10. Only one was a playoff team. Seattle. The rest of them sucked. And the reason that Seattle's in a really great... Now, I would say this. The, the three best positions have to be 5, 1, and 10 in the first round and the first 10 picks. The first pick, the fifth pick, and the 10th pick. Okay? First pick, obviously. You get the pick of the litter. The fifth pick, you're going to get a defender. You're going to get a defender or one of the quarterbacks. Fifth pick's a great pick. Tenth pick, my God. With all these quarterbacks that are flying up these charts, man, Howie's got to be looking at it like this. Well, if my guy falls to where I think, and you've got B. John Robinson there, and you've got Jalen Carter there, and you've got a quarterback there, what do you do if you're Howie? If you've got one of the quarterbacks, say Anthony Richardson's there, Anthony Richardson at 10, Jalen Carter, and Will Anderson. I'm not suggesting the Eagles are going to take a quarterback. I'm saying those three players across the board could be there for a team to go up to Howie and go, I'll give you another one for next year, and I'll give you a two, three, two twos and a three this year to take that spot. I'd do it, wouldn't you? And you got the 30th pick still. And maybe what you do then is you move up from 30 to get an edge rusher. And somewhere and someone that kind of falls more in line with you. Make sense? Kind of falls more in line with you. How are we sitting in a great spot? He is sitting in a great spot. And what's helping this out is the quarterbacks. By the way, please, I want someone to do this. Stop with this. Well, you know what? I'd rather, you know, why would I not want a veteran running back? The veteran running backs that are out there in the open market right now are dog shit. Their own teams don't want them. Okay? Their own team. A running back? That's out of gas? Did you see what Cleveland said? Cleveland over the weekend said they think Kareem Hunt doesn't have the same speed he had when he got here. They think he's lost a step. What in the world would I want to have that guy on my ball team when I can go get B.J. Robinson on a rookie contract? By the way, there's no other player in the NFL draft that could help the Eagles more than Robinson. Is there? Name me one guy. In the draft that could help Jalen Hurts out in 2023 more. One guy. One. One guy. Name me one guy offensively. Nobody. All the players that are going to be drafted, not one guy in this draft will help him more except for that running back from Texas. And guess what people in Philly are saying? I don't want to waste the 10th pick. Waste? You're, you've got a history of wasting first picks. They would rather draft Jalen Rager 
And then turn around and go, I don't want to do B. John Robinson, even though he's the fifth ba- player evaluated in the draft. Imagine the ass nine, ass backwards thought process on that. And in a position that they're not very good at drafting, wide receivers. <laughs> so these guys would tell you this. You listen to some of the radio shows, they would rather say this to you. Go get an edge rusher. Are you under the impression the Eagles are good drafters at edge rushing? Brandon Graham and what? Brandon Graham and what? I'm going to show you something here. By the way, Mike Gullick, bottom of the hour. I'm going to show you something here. I've ranked... The 10 best draft picks for the Philadelphia Eagles since 2020, or since 2010, since 2000, I have ranked the best Eagle draft picks since 2000. Josh Sweat's getting there, Tyler. I'm a big fan of his. Okay? Here are the top 10 picks, according to Big Sills, that the Eagles have selected since 2000. Let's go from 10 up. I got Devontae Smith here. First rounder, wide receiver, Alabama. Yeah. To put the two seasons together, really good. 95 catches, second season, coming into his own. Great route runner. He is by far a keeper. That's right. Since 2000. At nine, maybe low. I got Shady McCoy. 2009, second round, running back out of pit. One of the absolutely best, if not the best running back ever drafted in Philadelphia Eagle history, including Wilbert Montgomery. Um, His name is just littered all over. I mean, how many times does his name pop up when you're talking about single seasons? Number one, 2013, 1607, 13-19-14, 13-09-11. Guy's one of the absolutely, if not the best running back in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. I got that pick at number nine. Number eight, Trent Cole, 2005, fifth round pick out of the University of Cincinnati. Um, The production that you got out of the fifth rounder and for what he did, And the Pro Bowl and all that, what a quality pick the Eagles got with Trent Cole. Trent Cole, eight. Fifth rounder, defensive end, Cincinnati. Number seven, Deshaun Jackson. 2008, a second rounder, wide receiver, University of Missouri. Probably next to Tyree Kill, the greatest deep threats in NFL history. 
Hill's a little better. Um, but also DJX, which could put him maybe over Tyreek Hill, whatever your flavor is, is that he's a special teams demon. Okay? A special teams demon. Um, th- did he go to Cal? Is DJX a Cal guy? Not Missouri? Okay, I I I thought it was he's a Cal guy. I I is he he's a he's a I, he's a Cal guy, isn't he? Right? I don't know why I thought Missouri. I wrote that down off the top of my head. He's a Cal guy, right? So I got Devontae at 10. I got LaShawn McCoy at nine. Trent Cole at Eight. That's right, Macklin went to Missouri. Deshaun Jackson, Cal, at seven. Here's number six. Lito Shepard, 2002. First round pick, DB, University of Florida. Absolutely fabulous football player. One of the very few times they got a pick right in the secondary. Number five, it took a little bit for this dude to get going in his career in Philadelphia. What I'm doing here, I'm giving you the Big Seal's best draft pick since 2000. Um, I got Brandon Graham at five, 2010, first rounder, University of Michigan. Defensive end. Number four, Fletcher Cox. 2012, first rounder, DT, Mississippi State. I would make this comment to you about Fletcher Cox. In the Super Bowl era, Reggie, Jerome, him, Corey Simon, Probably your best defensive lineman drafted. Okay? Probably. Corey Simon was a good football player, too. Florida State kid. Number three, Brian Westbrook, 2002. Third round, running back, Nova. In my opinion, since 2000, you have not had a consistently better offensive football player outside the quarterback position than Brian Westbrook could do it all block run catch dude for the amount of years that he played in Philly the kind of ball player he was Brian Westbrook's my favorite Eagle since 2000 he's just a great football player he's he was Christian McCaffrey before Christian McCaffrey. Brian Westbrook's a fanab- fabulous football player. Fabulous football player. One of your greatest of all time, too. Can you imagine Brian Westbrook in today's Jalen Hurts offense? Shit. You think that guy in San Francisco makes $20 million? You'd have to pay him $25 million. Brian Westbrook was a super stud. Number two, 
Lane Johnson. And by the way, these first two guys are going to Canton. Lane Johnson, 2013, first rounder, Oklahoma. I mean, the conversation for Lane Johnson should be as short as the conversation that you had for Joe Thomas. If, if you didn't have that long of a debate on Joe Thomas, the Cleveland Brown offensive tackle, then there's no conversation that should be any longer than this with Lane. He has been a perennial all-pro. He has been a staple in the development of a football team, no matter who the quarterback is. The one thing that has been stable has been these two men on that offensive side of the football. Everybody else was interchangeable. Anybody else was interchangeable. Okay? But Jason Kelsey at one. Jason Kelsey's your greatest draft choice since 2000. It's not close. Hall of Famer, one of the top three centers in the history of 100 years of the sport. You're, you're, you're not just talking about Jason Kelsey being the best eagle maybe ever. You're talking about Jason Kelsey being the greatest center ever. In NFL history, Mike Webster, um, all them guys, Kevin Mawai, go down the line. You could make the argument that he is the greatest center of all time. The things he does, how smart he is, how he knows the adjustments at the offensive line when it comes to pass protection, how he scoops and slips up to the second and sometimes third levels. How many centers have you ever seen do that? get to the second and third level in his 13th year. Incredible. Incredible. Here are my top 10 draft picks since 2000. Devontae Smith, 10. LaShawn McCoy, 9. Trent Cole, 8. Deshaun Jackson, 7. Lito, Lito Shepard, six. Brandon Graham, five. Fletcher Cox, four. Brian Westbrook, three. Lane Johnson, two. And Jason Kelsey, one. Hertz has a chance to get into this. Needs more games. Needs more games. Okay. I think Devontae, again, he's right there. Okay, he's right there. But when you're talking about 2,000 receiving yards in two seasons in a place that doesn't really traditionally throw the ball, think about that too. Remember this. This isn't Kansas City or Green Bay. The Philadelphia Eagles have a very limited history in wide receivers in the history of the franchise. It's not a rich history. And for... Then they get 2,000-yard receivers last year is remarkable. Just not a very good history in wideouts. Tight ends, it's exceptional. Wide receivers, it's not. It's because they don't draft well there. However, again, Devontae is rolling into it. He really is. He, 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 he really is. You know, I got to tell you something. One of, the, one of the reasons that I wanted to have Mike Golick on today, don't forget, Gary Cobb will join me also at 4.30 in the second hour. I have never in my life ever compared a player to Jerome Brown. 
you know, I've been doing this now for almost 30 years, 32 years, something like that. I've been in broadcasting. I've never in a million years ever compared a player. Jalen Carter, in many ways, on and off, has a lot of characteristics. I've never done this. And as you know, I've been doing it as of late. I told Phil Sims this last week. Mike Golick played next to him and knows the strengths and positives and weaknesses and strengths of Jerome. When you watch Jalen Carter, you see it. Let's bring my friend Mike Golick on now. And Mike, I appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you so much, my friend. You got it, man. Mike, um, I compared Jalen Carter to Jerome. And follow me when I say this to you. Did he have issues in college? Were there question marks? Yes. We all, we were crazy dudes. We all <laughs> made mistakes. Jerome lived on the edge. Jalen Carter, decision-making. Sometimes Jerome wasn't in shape. All that stuff. I remember having conversations with Buddy about his conditioning. If he's at 10, would you draft him if you're Howie Roseman? Wow. You know, when I, and, I, and I've covered Jalen a couple of times when I was calling college games. And, well, that defense that they had, obviously, was, was incredible for the last couple of years. He is incredible. And so what, what do you usually do when you see a guy that's that good? You start to look for any kind of red flag. And then we obviously saw it with the tragic accident that went on and how he dealt with that because there's that side of it which is more concerning because there were lives lost so that takes takes precedent uh, on that but then you know when it gets back to football there was a time that Jalen had a chance because he couldn't didn't do anything at the combine because he had to leave there before he came back to turn himself in then he had his pro day you know so then you show up to your pro day a little heavier and you can't finish your drill so immediately because you know how scouts are dan i mean they want you to be a thousand percent football all the time that's your entire life was football no matter what i mean miles garrett god forbid he decided you know to have a little mind of his own and do his own thing a little bit and and everybody was a little nervous of that I, i'd say he debunked that pretty quickly by being an incredible edge rusher but this is one about can you prepare yourself if thing gets if things get rough do you shut down you know, in the beginning, Dan, I had said I would take this guy. And I think I would still lean toward taking him. Um, I, I would, but because the one thing I saw out of Jerome, whenever Jerome was on the football field, uh, Jerome went a thousand percent. Now, yeah, you could say, was he always, you know, in shape to be on the football field? How did he take care of himself and all that? But we went on the football. Listen, if Jerome didn't didn't unfortunately pass away him and his nephew in that accident. Jerome was on a career for a Hall of Fame, oh, yeah. uh, on path for a Hall of Fame career. No, there's zero doubt about that. Zero. He's one of the best I've ever seen play the interior the way he does. I would say at the end of the day, I would probably roll the dice on Jalen Carter that he's such a, a, a talent on the field that you, you would kind of take him and let's be honest, you kind of cross your fingers a little bit and hope you're getting the guy that you see that can be devastating on the field. Mike, to me, it comes down to the interview, 
make me not want to take you because I think like what you and I say is this, son, your decision-making is my problem here. You knew you had what you had to do getting ready for the combines. You knew when you had your pro day. And to me, tell me why you're not prepared for that. Remember Randy Gregory, the guys all told him, don't smoke weed before the combines. The guy fell to the third round. And I'm like, decision-making, Mike, when yeah. you're getting that kind of money and they're going to put a 10th pick on you, man, you, 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 you got to know the room. And not knowing the room is my problem and my only red flag with the kid problem. I, listen, I, I'm one of those, if they take him, I could see why. And if they don't, I can see why. Because I've said this for years. The combine, I, I, I'm a little tired of the combine, you know, and, and sometimes the pro days as well. Again, we well, had guys Anthony, in shorts, Mike. <laughs> I mean, we had Anthony Richardson, who, by the way, is just an incredible freak athlete. But we knew that. And again, we got to hear about somebody rolling left and throwing at 55 yards down the field. Didn't everybody go gaga over Zach Wilson doing that in shorts Absolutely. and T-shirt? What the hell good did that do you? So my only point to saying that is I'm not a big fan of the combine or the pro days outside of the interviews, especially with quarterback, but the interviews and getting to know someone. The thing about it is, is you're choosing to do the combine and or pro day. So now my thought is be ready to do it. I think some of the drills are a waste of time, but if you're going to do it, make them the best. Make it look like you you have prepared yourself for this test, even though I think the test can be a little iffy, but you've prepared yourself for it, and he didn't. So that's a red flag, and I'm with you. So you sit in that room and you say, why were you nine pounds heavier? Why couldn't you finish the drills? And what? tell me why we wouldn't think something might affect you after we draft you. That's going to make you do the same thing and not be ready to play. And hear what he has to say, because that's the unfortunate thing as well. When you go to these places to train, they also kind of tell you what to say as well. So you have to kind of filter through, is he telling me what I want to hear or am I really buying into what he's saying? Mike, I said this about this draft. I see probably three wild players. Bijan Robinson. Yeah. Um, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, maybe the kid from Tech, Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher yeah. guy. Yeah. The rest of them, Mike, probably through 25. It's probably gonna be a good draft for till 25. Then the rest of them, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really see a ton of wild guys. The Eagles are sitting at 10. Mike, what kills me is I hear people in Philly doing this. Well, hell, I'm not going to waste the running back here to save Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's a unique offense. It's not like the Kansas City offense. you got to take carries away from that guy because it's a dual-threat quarterback. So take some of the carries away. Why do people still to this day, Mike, they do this. I'd rather take the need position and the lesser player at 10 than the player that's the better player at 10. That can help you. So I, I've I've been on this like you. Listen, we we've we played in the league a while, and we've covered now the league for a long time. And you always hear that best player or what do you actually need? I, I'm I'm one of those man. If you have a need, you got to fill your need. You know what what is your need? Fill your need. Now, if you don't have a lot of needs, then go ahead and grab the next, the best player available. Robinson, I love this. It reminds me of Marshall Falk. 
yeah. run of the ball and be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. There's him, and then there's a drop-off with the rest of the running backs. And we know the thought process for running backs in the first round. Get through that first contract. How much of a beating do they take? And then to try and get him to that second contract. But I'm with you. If I have a glaring need – now, if your glaring need is at 6 or 5 or 10, you know, uh, uh, like like we're, since we're talking about Philly – or any team, if, if there is a need there. But the one thing you have to weigh, if the best player for your need doesn't grade to the 10th pick, then you got some, then you have some issues. Because what's the goal of every team is, is especially if you're drafted high, you want to get that impact player. But after that, you want to steal players. Right. You want to draft them lower than they should be going. So you don't have to a pay them as much, or, or you know, or, or work it that way. You want to try and maximize where you're getting them, and even if you have to drop back a little bit, drop now you run you run the risk of losing that person. But that would be what I would say. If you have a big need at ten, and the guy that fits your need is there at ten, but you don't have a grade as that high of a pick, then then that's where I kind of run into problems that say, okay, do I try and trade back? Do I try and steal him later or do I go for the best player available? And Mike, to me, if you're rebuilding, you don't take a run back at 10. But when you're the NFC champion and you got this pick because you stole it from New Orleans last year and you're one of the favorites to win the NFC, Mike, I'm, I'm taking a player that could try to get me over the hump right now. And that's what this kid does for me a little bit. I mean, right? Yes. Now, what what I'll say is, remember, you already lost Hargrave on the D line, and your D, and your D line, the guys you brought back, they're all in their thirties. They're getting older, right? Yes. So now you got to pair someone with Jordan Davis. You know, uh, you know. It, so Will Anderson obviously is not going to be there. I don't know if Wilson will be there. Will this, will this Van Ness kid maybe be there? And I don't know what what their grade is on him. So. And you, you had 70 sacks in the regular season last year. You're losing Hargrave, a guy who had, you know, double-digit sacks, and your other guys are getting older. And I can speak to experience from this one. We had that D-line we had in Philly. One of the reasons it was so – well, the main reason it was good is because we had Reggie White, Jerome Brown, and Clyde Simmons. But we also we also had, you know, Steve Kafusi, Andy Harmon, Mike Pitts, myself. We had a rotation. So, and when you saw the 49ers get to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, they were led by their defense. And that defensive line had a, a, a rotation. Then DeForest Buckner, they traded him to the Colts and they lost a guy from there. But so I, I can understand the Eagles saying, okay, we lost a guy. Our other guys are getting older. We need to, you know, filter in some younger guys to go with the Jordan Davis, who is that run stuffer guy, not really the pass rush guy, and get another guy on the edge. So, I can see that. I, I don't. I I see that as being a need for them because that was a monster part of their of their team last year was the defensive side of the ball. But but then again, see, this is the, the the fun of the draft. I'm also with you on Robinson. He is he is the absolute back of what the NFL of today is, where you can run the ball, but you're more you're a great mismatch when you go out in a route, when I line you up in the slot, when I line you up wide to start. A, a series to see what coverage is going to be to bring you back in. So it, it's a tough call, but if they go edge rusher here, I understand, I, I can certainly understand why, you know, Mike, I, I, I said this last year about Jordan Davis and I take a page out of Jimmy Johnson's book. If when I'm drafting a high pick 13th pick, 10th pick, what have you, 
I want production. And I looked at his production at Georgia, and I said, man, in 43 games, he had nine sacks. That's not very productive to me. And with the 13th pick, and Mike, I'm not saying he wasn't a first-rounder. He wasn't a 13th pick. They overdrafted him. He right. should have been down probably in the 20s. I went like this, Mike. If you get Fletcher Cox out of that guy, you're lucky. But to me, he's more like Vince Wolfert. Yeah. You think the Eagles overdrafted him yesterday? Well, I, 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 I think he's in between Wolfork and Fletcher Cox. He's not going to be that pass rusher uh, that Fletcher Cox is. Uh, he's going to be that that run guy, that run stuff guy occasionally. You know, he can push the pocket on you and collapse it a little bit. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't think he's going to be Fletcher. Again, it was one of those situations, I'm sure, Dan, where 13 rolled around. Yep. They saw where their need was, just what I said before. Is he... And they wanted him, but did he have like the 13th pick in the in the draft grade? Probably not, but they drafted a need there, which shows that they, they have no problem saying if we need something, we're going to take it. Uh, I could certainly see Robinson here. What he would do for that offense would be incredible, especially with the Jalen Hurts, you know, added running ability that he has as well. Um, I, I, I can see both sides of it. That's why I, I wonder if they even know where they're going yet. We know it's a lying season. You're not going to get the truth out of anybody, uh, but it would be interesting to decide or to see which way they're going and also what's available, you know, is, is Robinson taken before that, you know, running back taken in the top 10 are the edge rushers. They had a high grade on, are they gone at that point? So you can have your board ready and then have it completely flipped upside down in the first hour of the draft. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions on the uh, the current roster now. Yeah. Mike, would you pay Jalen Hurts $50 million a year on 17 ball games? Well, I mean, I, I, I always do it this way, Dan. What's your alternative? I, I, what, what's your Gardner alternative? Gardner Minshew. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gardner Minshew is – where is he, an Indy now? He's an Indy I mean, now. Yeah, yeah. For their, and they'll, he'll, they'll, either way, if it's a rookie or him, their seventh different starter – in seven years since uh, since Andrew Luck left, um, th that's everybody goes nuts with the money that's going on because it affects the roster, Mike. It does. I get it, but you know what? A very smart guy that I listen to a lot is Andrew Brandt, who who used to be in management. You know, dealt with the Brett Favre's and and uh, Aaron Rodgers of the world when he was in management for the Green Bay Packers. He teaches business classes and such, and and I tend to agree with him that says. He says it's a lazy argument to say the quarterback's taking up all the cap. Figure it out. You can figure it out if you have a good capologist and you're looking ahead. When is my quarterback due? What can I spend before that? And a lot of times we see that when a quarterback comes out and is great right out of the gate, you can bring in other guys and pay them around him until you have to pay him. So I, I, I understand that money is going to come out of, of the cap and it's going to be a lot of it. The cap's going to go up every year. But I tend to lean toward Andrew Brandt in this and say, you know what? Figure it out. You're a capologist. You know, you've got to be able to figure that out. That said, it can be tough to figure out because they're taking a big chunk. But my, my thought with a quarterback, when everybody loses their mind, when Daniel Jones signed his deal, you know what it is? It's timing. It's, and, the, and I'm talking only about the quarterback position. It's the timing. For a while, Joe Flacco was the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He went on a great run in the playoffs, won the Super Bowl, and he's the highest-paid player in the league. Anybody think Joe Flacco was the best quarterback in the league? No. no, but but he had a great run. The timing was right for the run he had in the Super Bowl, and then he got paid. 
So that's what this is about. And it's going to happen with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And uh, now we're talking Jalen Hurts. So that's what I always say. You, you, they should have, they should have known during this season, as it was going on, he's going to be our quarterback. At some point, didn't you get that feeling? Yeah, I know yes, I absolutely. did. So at that point, and, and I'm sure they did, you start figuring in what's the quarterbacks, you know, what are they making? How do we massage that for the salary cap reasons? And what does that do for the rest of your roster? But you have to know, you have to know that you have to have a, and a, a, a really good to great quarterback at this point, it seems to win the Super Bowl. And right now, right now, if Aaron Rodgers ends up with the Jets, who's the best quarterback in the NFC right now? It's Jalen Hurts. Right. Absolutely. I mean, who, who else is there? No. It's Jalen Hurts. So that's the going rate. You understand you have to pay it and you got to figure it out. Mike, um, here's the thing on dual threat. I talked to Tony Dungy, Bruce Arians, all different opinions. And Phil Sims on Friday about this. Mike, I just don't think there's a high ceiling for these guys, man. I mean, but it's something funny that Phil said. He goes, you know what, though? You're looking at it wrong. And tell me if you agree what he said. He goes, when you're a dual threat guy and you're in open space, he believes, Mike, that you have more control of the contact when you're in open space than when you do when you're sitting in the pocket. Most of the quarterbacks that get hurt are dual threat. They don't get hurt out in the perimeter. They get hurt in the pocket. So his point is Jalen knows when to get down. He's not as aggressive as Lamar. Lamar plays aggressive. The guy in Buffalo, Mike, he plays aggressive. Yep. So maybe it's Jalen's understanding and seeing the game because I think he lets the game come to him. I think Lamar, he pushes the game, if that makes sense to you. The biggest thing I worry about with dual threat quarterbacks, and, and they're here to stay, by the way. Is, oh, yeah. Is, That's what Bruce said. He said – Hey, get used to it. They're coming yeah. now. Like a, they're coming in droves now. They are. So the biggest concern to me is when you have more confidence in your legs than your arm, which means you're going to take off and run maybe before you should. There might still be something downfield, but you have more confidence in your legs than making that throw. So you take off. Now it takes guys a little time to get used to the pocket because you still have to be the pocket passer uh, to, to be able to make the plays there. Everything else outside of that should be gravy, whether you get out of the pocket to make a play downfield or make the defense commit and then run if you have to. I agree a thousand percent with Phil. When when they're running the ball, running quarterback, Russell Wilson's the best sliding quarterback yeah. we've ever had. He knew when to get down. It's those quarterbacks that try and drop their shoulder and run somebody over or seek out. Now, listen, if it's coming to the end of the game and you need that yard and you're running, you see the sticks and you got to go for it, you got to go for it. There are, there are times when you need to go for it, but there are times to bail out of bounds and there are times to slide. So uh, the quicker a quarterback figures that out, then I agree that they're actually safer is the wrong word, but it, I guess to put it, what you said earlier in more control of how that play is going to end when now they're committed and they're past the line of scrimmage and it's them running the ball. They have complete control on when that play and how that play is going to end most of the time. In the pocket, they don't because they're looking downfield and God knows the shot they could take. Now, uh, you know, as as you and I as former D linemen are bummed out, you can't really, you know, lay a lick on them much anymore, <laughs> land on them. But still, there much more can happen to them in the pocket like that for things that wash that gets pushed in front of them by their legs or a blindside hit or when they're rolling out and somebody falls on them and, and breaks their collarbone like has happened to Aaron Rodgers. So I do agree with that. When they run – 
you know, we're all screaming, get down, get down. But that that's probably when they're in the most control. Three last questions for you, Mike. Like, um, Mike, I wonder where you are in this here. And I have a completely different look on the Deshaun Watson contract. Why aren't more players like you, me, Shannon Sharp, instead of taking shots at that guy getting a guaranteed contract, we should be screaming on the highest hill to get guaranteed contracts for everybody in the league, not just for quarterbacks. And th- it's got to start there, Mike, before. And look, you hear what Jim Irsay said at the owners' meetings in Arizona a couple weeks ago. I don't mind paying $50 million. I ain't giving you a guaranteed contract. And I'm thinking to myself, because you lose control of the player. Right. Mike, their partners are not the players. Their partners are the TV networks. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're, 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 we're, we're, we're just the widgets out there. We're employees. Which side of the aisle are you on? Again, I mean, I, I get the character stuff, and I'm not, but I'm not even talking. To, they're more pissed off about his contract than his character. Think about that, for instance, Mike, when it comes to Deshaun Watson. Because he got a raise and a guaranteed contract in, in Cleveland. Listen, every owner was, was horrifically mad at Haslam for doing that. For the guaranteed part, not for the yeah. Look, look at what Haslam did with Kareem Hunt. There, you had video of him kicking someone on the ground, and they still signed him, knowing he had an eight-game suspension. So, them signing Deshaun Watson wasn't shocking; shouldn't have been shocking to anybody. But given that deal, especially when we have no idea who they're bidding against with that deal, so the owners don't want to do it. So, listen, Dan, I I will always say I want a player to get every dime he possibly can. But this is also a business. And the one thing I, I would tell players is, and it's so hard to do because I know I did it in the first year of free agency in 93 when that started, is to not take things personal. This is a business and to not get emotional. But what makes this difficult with Lamar is he's his own agent. So he's right there where an agent would be hearing stuff. He's hearing stuff. That being said, it's going to take a lot, and it's going to be a quarterback. It's going to take a lot for that guaranteed contract to happen. Because while every owner is going to say Deshaun Watson is an outlier, every player, quarterback, rightfully showed should be saying that's a precedent. So it's out there. It happened. So we that's going to continue to happen. But how far are you going to go, Dan? We can scream at, at the highest mountain that we want, right? Because yeah. I'd love to see it happen. And the owners are going to fight this. So the only ones that can have the effect are the quarterbacks. And how far will they go? If Lamar Jackson doesn't get a guaranteed contract, will he then not play for the $32 million of that tag that, that's on him right now? And will he sit a year? I have never seen yet. Dan, I've never seen yet, unless I'm missing something, no. that helped the player for sitting a year. And he gave up $32 million. I mean, look at Kirk Cousins, how he played the game. And man, did it work for him. But that's what it's going to take. It's going to take that quarterback to draw that line in ink and say, I'm not walking on the field unless my contract's guaranteed. And then uh, Baltimore, nobody else gets uh, gets uh, Lamar services. And then Lamar isn't getting paid. Same thing for Joe Burrow. Same thing for Justin Herbert. It's going to come from that. How far are they willing to go? And I just don't know if they're willing to go far enough to say, I'm not stepping foot on that field unless I get a fully guaranteed contract. Mike, um, boy, what ha- speaking of Baltimore, what happened in Baltimore? I mean, they had three years, Mike, 
to get this deal done. Three years to get it done. And is it because dual threat injuries, the way he plays the game? I mean, he's only 25, Mike. Mike, he's 25 years old. He's got an MVP. He's won over 70% of his ball games. Led the NFL in touchdown passes. Why are Baltimore and the quarterback and the player in the position they're in today? And, and, well, the one thing that surprises me too about this team is they, they've been a playoff, you know, team. They've and, been brilliant and, in the draft and free and, agency. And, but you know, but you know what they where they haven't been brilliant, Dan, is at wide receiver. Correct. You know, it's it's almost like talking about Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. What, what give me some weapons? You got Mark Andrews. Really, the last guy, Mike, is Anquan Bolden. I mean, guys, I mean, right, that's that's years ago. I know you had Hollywood Brown, you traded him away, but you and now you bring in Odell. Now you spend now you give maybe 18 mil to a guy for a year to bring him in coming off an ACL. But when you had a hell of a defense, you had Andrews, you had Lamar, you didn't really do anything when you didn't have to pay Lamar. Like I said, he was great coming out. So you could have paid others to surround better, and they didn't. That surprises me a lot that they didn't do it in the in the the, the playoff runs that they had. Now this Dan, this is totally about about guaranteed contracts. And in my my opinion, they it came at an impasse. We know what the supposed offer was of a two hundred fifty mil or whatever, one hundred thirty three guaranteed, one seventy five guaranteed with injury, blah blah blah, all that. I I think it got to a point where Baltimore said, all right. We'll put the uh, this tag on you so you can go get a deal anywhere else. Anybody that wants to offer you that deal can go ahead and offer you that deal, and they give us two first-rounders. And I think they did it just to see what kind of deal somebody else would offer, and then they would match it. So, okay, you went out and got that deal. We'll match it because right now we're just at an impasse, and we see what's happening. Nobody's jumping in. And you want to say collusion. I don't even think the owners need to talk to each other to, to, to collude right. in the fact that they don't want guaranteed contracts. I think it is the unspoken truth of those owners that they do not want to do what Haslam did in Cleveland, and they will not do it for, for anything. So I think Baltimore said, go get it, go get an offer. And then, you know, and then because I don't care what anybody says. Bridges can always be mended. It's amazing what stacks of money can do to mend a bridge. So if they end up matching and he goes back to Baltimore, somehow I think things will be okay. But the offers aren't coming in because nobody wants that guaranteed deal. So what happens first? Who blinks first? The billionaires who aren't giving that out or gave it out one time? Or the millionaire who is looking to, you know, use Deshaun Watson saying that's a precedent and I'm the next to do it. And then there'll be guys behind me to do it as well. That, that that's what it is. Who blinks. And unfortunately in most cases in the NFL, whether it's CBA union strikes, whatever it's been the players, unfortunately that have, that have blinked first. Final question for you, Mike, tell me outside of the aisle you're on here with Kyle Shanahan. They've done him and John Lynch have done such a great job at building that roster up. But for me, Mike, I think Kyle Shanahan is not a very good quarterback coach, and I'll tell you why. RG3, hurt in Washington when he was DOC. Jimmy Garoppolo, hurt in San Francisco. Trey Lance, hurt in San Francisco. Brock Purdy, hurt in San Francisco. Mike, this guy doesn't protect his quarterbacks. I mean, he comes up with schemes, Mike. 
But I and I think he's a great play caller. But when it comes to formulating how to protect your guy, you're putting a tight end on Hassan Reddick, who ran right around that guy. Yeah. And got your quarterback killed in that NFC title game. Yeah. And you had a shot to win that thing. You had won 12 straight going into that thing. Am I off base here, or is it just coincidence? No, I mean, listen, you, you'll always look at that. Whenever, you, whenever I see a tight end on an edge rusher, I say, okay, there, <laughs> there's no way that should ever happen. You want to chip with a tight end or chip with a back, that's fine before they go out. But to just have them one-on-one. Dan, I, I'd have to go back and look at where was Garoppolo's injury, was Trey Lance's injury. I know Purdy's was. Um, well, RG three, RG three was on the sideline. Wasn't it running out of bounds? If I remember, I don't, I don't remember where their injuries were. I know Purdy's was in the pocket. I thought they brought him back too soon too, Mike. I thought that had something to do with they, he had a surgery. I'm talking RG three and they brought him back too soon. And his ACL wasn't completely healed, but well, well, that could be just coincidence then. Is it just coincidence? Again, I would have to look at, you know, if, if, if one team starts, Having five, eight, ten players start to pull hamstrings, you start to look at the strength coach, right? And start saying, okay, what what what's going on here? So again, I would have to look at those injuries. I'm, I'm not saying I don't agree with your point, but I'd have to see what those injuries are. And if they are, are in fact, if your quarterback's getting hit by because your tight end's blocking an edge rusher, or you're just saying to hell with everything else, we're 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 letting our five guys block, even if someone's getting his ass kicked and not helping them at all. Yeah, I got issues with that. You got to read the room. You know, you can't just say we're we're playing this protection no matter what. And if our quarterback gets hit, that's your fault on the line because you didn't block it. Yeah, it's your fault because you didn't block it. But what are we going to do? We got a lot of game to go. Do we just get our quarterback killed or do we change our protection? So I would have to do a little bit more of a deep dive into those injuries and the hits um, and the hits that the quarterbacks are taking there because that that team is still you know, ready to go. I mean, uh, and, it's them and the Eagles, right, Mike? It's them oh, and the Eagles. W- without a doubt. And, you know, are, are we getting to the point? Are, are they going to have to admit at some point of Trey Lance if they shouldn't have done what they did? Now, on Trey Lance's side, it's not very fair yet because he's been injured. So that's a tough call. Um, but Brock Purdy comes in and he's going to be the lead dog to to win that starting job. And, you know, the, then you're going to start to look at, you know, was the Trey Lance thing, did it not work out? Because now you have, what, two high pick quarterbacks on your roster and Mr. Irrelevant. And Mr. Irrelevant right now is a starter. So it, it, it is kind of odd. Do you still have a sandwich named after you in Philly? I did. Not anymore. I, you know, for a while I had it at Notre Dame um, in the restaurant they have right on campus there. What was the sandwich called at Notre Dame? I, it, it was just, it was like simple, like the Golic burger or Golic sandwich or something. But man, there was a lot of meat on it, my friend. I mean, there was, <laughs> oh, there was, wait there a was minute. between the two Golic brothers and then your son. I mean, what? Listen, <laughs> there was, there was not one vegetable on that at all. It was all meats, meats and cheeses. That's it. If you wanted any kind of vegetable, they wouldn't put it on the same plate as a sandwich. Mike, how can people uh, watch you? I know you're doing stuff with your boy and uh, you're, 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 podcast and all i know you do some college football how can they see you yeah i do uh for DraftKings. My, my son and i both uh work for DraftKings. he does a pod every day i do one once a week with a young lady named jess matana uh she's a notre dame grad from 2016 it's called golik and smetty and mike does his it's called gojo and then well westwood one has the uh the radio national radio contract for the nfl so, like last year i did all the sunday night games and and the super bowl and, and the playoff games. did you so work been- with boomer uh, no, no, I did not work with Boomer. 
uh, on this. This was me and uh, Ryan Radke. I'd work with Kevin Harlan, Kurt yeah, Warner. Yeah. You know, so that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. I also did college uh, as well. But now Mike is doing the college. My son's doing the college. I'm doing the NFL. So still staying busy. Just don't have that everyday show. I'm, I may get back to that at some point. We'll see. But not getting up at 4.15 every morning has been pretty nice. No, dude, you look way better than, <laughs> yeah. than, than the vampire because I was a vampire for about 25 years. Oh. And that I used to have takes to go to toll. bed at 8.30 at night at, like I was yeah. 10 years old, Mike. So I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, it takes a toll. I would see pic old pictures of myself. I was like <laughs> 300 and some pounds. And I'd, I'd, I'd look at my wife. I'd say, why didn't you tell me I was fat? She's like, oh, I didn't think you were. I said, look at me. I got four chins in this picture. I said, my God, what, what are you doing? Hey, hey, Mike, thank you so much for your time, man. I, I I so appreciate when you find time for me. Thank you so much. Good luck to you, Mike. We'll talk down the road. All right, Dan. Sounds good. I'll see you. You bet. Mike Golick. We appreciate him doing that. Do me a favor, guys. Please hit the like button. Hour number two. Don't forget, to. we're going to have Gary Cobb with us from Fox 29. We'll reset. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore, have a ball once more. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
Frank Sales, National Football Show. Appreciate you coming aboard. Thank you so much. Bottom of the hour, we will have our friend Gary Cobb on. It was great catching up with our friend Mike Gullick. And at the end of the day, Mike says, yes, he would gamble on Carter. And I asked you guys a couple weeks ago this question. If Jerome Brown was at 10, would you draft him? Of course you would. Of course, that's a gamble you would welcome. Is he a recluse? Maybe. Is Remember something. Please do me this favor. Stop with the morality shit here. I'm looking for football players, not choir boys. Okay? Now, am I looking for people that are going to be constantly in the bullseye of the law? No. But I'm looking for football players here. And if your talent outweighs the headache, I'm drafting you. This is the Jimmy Johnson way of building a championship team. Whether it's college or the pros. You don't have, by the way, draft week, Jimmy's going to come on with us two days, Thursday and Friday of the draft and give us his assessment of what he sees in what the Eagles did. Just so you know, that's already in stone. My draft analyst on Thursday and Friday is Jimmy Johnson, who built a dynasty in Dallas and then drafted for the Dolphins couple Hall of Famers. If you're here and you're too much of a headache and your production's here, you're out. I have no interest. You're a dumb player. But if you're one of these guys, hey, let me ask you guys this question here. Yale, everyone, would you guys draft a known drug addict in Lawrence Taylor to play football for you with the New York Giants or the Philadelphia Eagles? Would you draft a drug addict? Now knowing what we know, Parcells had to know he was a drug addict. You had to know. You had to know. Suspended what, twice? Crack cocaine showing up late to... Meetings, finding them in crack dens. The Giants were enablers in Lawrence Taylor's drug use. Bill Parcells. This is an opinion now. But after the facts, I've heard Lawrence Taylor talk about his drug use. Yeah, yeah, but would you still draft LT? Would you draft LT? Yes or no? Knowing what you know today. Would you draft Lawrence Taylor? Yes. Me too. Listen to what I just did. I compromised my morality for the betterment of my football team and my success. That's what happens in the NFL. 
the Cleveland Browns had to pay Deshaun Watson that money to go to Cleveland. You compromise your integrity and you compromise your morality. That's what that league does. It's not about choir boys. Well, this guy here, you know, he, since when does that matter? Since when does that shit matter? Would you draft Lawrence Taylor knowing what you know about him? Still today, I think he was the second overall player selected by the Giants, some shit like that. I think he was number two overall. Knowing full well he's a he, he's a drug addict. <laughs> I, I, I love the guy that goes, no, I probably wouldn't draft him because, you know, <laughs> well, then you ain't winning shit, dude. You ain't winning shit. Again, this ain't the league of choir boys. There's so many great people in the league. But you got to coach them all. Okay? Here's one better for you. This one hits home. If you knew the ending on how it ended for my friend Jerome Brown, would you still have drafted Jerome? Yes or no? Knowing the ending here, the Titanic hits the iceberg. Would you still have drafted Jerome Brown? And one thing Tone said, Bijan gives you five years, let the chips fall where they may. Of course you're drafting Jerome or Lawrence Taylor. Of course you are. So why should that stop you at the beginning? You hear people like Todd McShay throw that. So Todd McShay wouldn't draft Lawrence Taylor or Jerome Brown. He would draft that guy, Eric Dorsey. Or he would draft Steve Etman. Guys like that. He wouldn't draft Warren Sapp. He wouldn't draft Randy Moss. Why should that shit matter on draft day? It wouldn't for those dudes if you knew. Well, I don't know, man. He's got some character issues. So did those guys. So did those dudes. Charles Haley, massive behavior issues. Would you still want Haley on your team? Haley's got five Super Bowl rings. Okay. Ken goes, we got five great years. Ken goes, we got five great years off of Jerome and a lifetime of memories, Ken. And a lifetime of memories. Of course you draft Jerome. Here, let me give you an example of something here to this point. Guys, remember Alden Smith? Alden Smith's first 40, 43 ball games, he had 42 sacks. Now he's going to prison for DUI. 
Not all of them end well. Not all of them end well. Okay? 49ers and Raiders took a shot at him, gave him an opportunity. Hey, remember, at the end of the day, too, this is about player accountability and a human being's accountability and who they are. Nothing you can do as a fan, nothing you can do as an organization. All you can do is give them the vehicle to succeed. And if they don't take advantage of that, it's not on the organ. Look, if Jalen Carter comes in and plays his ass off for Philly, by unfortunate circumstances happen, that's not on the Eagles. I'm not one of these guys that turn around and bang on an organization for taking a gamble because they wanted to be great. Dude, being great is a gamble. Because if it was so easy, everyone would be. You got to take these leaps of faith. I tell you this all the time. Believing in God's a leap of faith. It's blind faith. And believing in what your organization or believing in what your coach or believing in what people tell you is most of the time blind faith. You got to believe your coordinators putting you in the right position. Because until you see success, it's blind faith. When I talk to the University of Miami, and I do every year, I talk to UM kids. I get on a Zoom and I talk to them. I said, your coach is in your locker room right now. How many people in here believe in the Lord? Almost 99% of them put their hand up and say, I believe in God. And I say, well, you've got to have that same blind faith in your coach that he's going to deliver you and carry you to winning. Okay? You don't know it. You guys were five and six or whatever the hell you were a year ago. You don't know he can do it. You got to believe it, though. Because if you don't believe it, you're nowhere. Jalen Hurts had to have blind faith in the fact that he knew he was getting where he wanted to go. And he, you know, I'm going to tell you guys what's funny. My wife brought something up to me. My, my daughter won the uh, Southern California and Southern Arizona Regional Pacific Coast Conference um, over the weekend. Uh, they beat Arizona State. Now they go up for the, uh, the districts and they got to play Stanford and um, BYU. Then they go on to the national championship in Houston. You know what she said? Dad, you know, I showed up to the program. There were about 10 or 15 people that were better than me. You know what I told her? You outwork them, don't worry. You'll just be flying by them. And you'll be going by them if you just keep working and keep believing. Keep working, keep believing. Keep working, keep believing. Hard work beats talent every time. Now, you run into a guy like Jordan, that's a different conversation because you do run into those dudes. And those dudes are unbeatable. They're just unbeatable with insane talent. But there's so few of those people. Those are the one percenters of the one percenters. I can't tell you. I showed up to the University of Miami. There was probably 25 guys that I thought were better than me. I left there. There was one. Okay, I left there. There was one D-tackle better than me, and he played in Philly. You can outwork these dudes. My daughter goes, Dad, you know, I played against a girl at Arizona State, and she was so good, but now my wife goes, that's because you're getting better. Right. It's blind faith. You got to believe, man. You got to believe where you're going and the things you're doing to get you there. 
and you don't see signs sometimes. You're like, Jesus, am I doing it right? Am I going places? Am I going somewhere? Sometimes, you know, to get to greatness, you've got to travel many, many, many miles in the dark. And then all of a sudden you come out of the tunnel. You eventually come out of the tunnel. But you're in the dark the majority of the journey. 85 says Carter 10, Smith at 30, Gibbs 62, Brent's at 94. Man, so you're going to be an even smaller defense if you go get the kid Smith. You're already a tiny bunch of dudes. Outside of your tackles, you're little everywhere. Corners, linebacker, edge rushers. So you want to get smaller? Outside of Jordan Davis and outside of Fletcher Cox, where's your size in your defense? Dude, you got a bunch of little dudes over there. Nicobe Dean is a little dude. Hassan Reddick is a little dude. I'm telling you, man, if I had a football team with a decent old line, I'm going to run the ball at you guys because you couldn't stop it last year. Now you lost five of your top tacklers and you're smaller. You're a small defense. Look at the sizes. They're small. It's a small team. Not a very good tackling team. So wait a minute. You're smaller this year, and you're going to be lesser of a tackling team. And you want to go smaller with this kid, Nolan Smith. Man, I don't know. So you're going to have two guys on your edge at six feet, two, 230 pounds. Man, that's some tiny dudes. And your Mike linebackers, 205. <laughs> and you want to run a 34. Dude, I mean, you look, look at look, you're not a very big team on that side of the ball. You're gargantuan on offense. But you're a little dude. Small in speed. So you think that plays out over 17 NFL games, that you're, you're going to be able to run away from people. No way. You're a little team on defense. That's the land. You should start calling that defense the Philadelphia Munchkins. They're little tiny guys. You want to go smaller with Nolan Smith. All right. I don't know. Good football player. But you got to have some more size on that line. And we're at least in your linebackers. It worked last year? Wait a minute. Look at Roland. Well, Linville Joseph was 335. Sue was 318. Jordan was 335. Fletcher was 320. Now, you got two dudes that are 300-pound guys in your defense in the middle. And you got a linebacker and it's 205. And you've lost Hardgrave, who was a 300 pounder himself. Hassan Reddick is small. Yes. Exclamation point. And what's sweat? 255? Yeah, that's small. Yes, small. I didn't say short. 
I said small. Small. 230? Small. Okay. So a 285-pound D end today in the NFL? Okay. You better be J.J. Redick. Sorry, dude. You're a small team. Okay, how you want to? Whatever. We'll agree to disagree. You're tiny. Now you want to put Nolan Smith out there at 6'2", 230-something. I don't know. I don't know. Me? I'd rather trade out of that pick and get more picks. Okay? And get some... Like the Lucas Van Ness guy or whatever the hell he is. Guy never started at Iowa. People want to draft the Eagles draft him at 10. I'm like, man, you can't start in the shitty Big Ten. And you can't start at Iowa, but you're going to start against the Cowboys. Okay. Why should I draft you? You couldn't even beat out the other two dudes on your team? Yeah, but still, he's got first-round talent. Well, shit, it never showed up then. It never showed up. Where he wanted to... St- so, I, I, I can't fathom that. You never started in college. I mean, seriously. So And you didn't start in Iowa. It's not like that's a 10-win team every year. I mean, I don't know, man. I just... I have a huge problem with that. So you can't start at Iowa or the Big Ten, but you're going to start in the NFC East. And you're going to play the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Giants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I think the kid Breezy's okay. But again, if the Eagles are this close to the Super Bowl, take the guy who can help you win it. Brian Breezy's not going to help you win the Super Bowl. Bijan Robinson is going. All these guys you guys are mentioning and bringing up, it's a joke. It's a joke. Dude, if there was a quality, and by the way, please stop with the veteran wideouts. Odell Beckham gets 15 to 18 million dollars in Baltimore. That's you know what that is? Do you know what that is? Do you actually really believe that that lure or that thing that you put at the end of the fishing pole to try to lure Lamar Jackson back in? You think that's really going to do it? He must be looking at that going, you think I'm stupider than, I, than I've been treated. Odell Beckham, so you're going to overpay just to show Lamar that they're serious about bringing him back with a player who's been more injured than the quarterback. How's that? Rem- You'll pay 15 to $18 million for a wide receiver who hasn't been healthy in the last five years. But you'll bitch and moan about Lamar? Man, boy, Baltimore, man, that is not the same franchise. Seals of Carter's not there at 10. I think Howie trades back. I do. 
He should, because there's nobody there that's going to help your team this year. And you need volume picks because he's not that hot in the draft. Hey, personally, if one of those guys isn't there, Jalen Carter or B. John Robinson, or they don't trade up to get Will Anderson, I'm taking an O-lineman. They're spectacular at that. Instead of moving Cam Jurgens over, he can actually put a guy in the guard position like a Paris Johnson, put his ass there. And then look at the line you have. That ha- Hey, can I tell you this? Paris Johnson helps Jalen Hurts more than Miles Murphy. I'm looking to help Jalen. That's why I think Chicago takes an old lineman. Dude, Miles Murphy doesn't win the Super Bowl. Paris Johnson might help you win it. You put that big horse at guard next to Lane and Jason and then Landon Dickerson and then Mulata. Poof, man, what a line. Dude, seriously, the Toledo would be screaming with size. That's how you kill teams. Right there the Eagle Way, baby. Miles Murphy. Give me Paris Johnson any day. Any day. Miles Murphy. You guys stupid? Dude, this team is a player away, and you're going to start talking to me about some insignificant guy that's at number 10, Miles Murphy. There's three dudes in this draft. Once again, three dudes. Bijan, Will Anderson, and Jalen Carter. That's it. Maybe the kid from Tech, Tyree Wilson. The rest of them, they're good ball players. That could help the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Getting a right guard like a Paris Johnson helps Jalen. Protects 50. You can't have a $50 million quarterback with a $2 old line. And the Eagles don't have a $2 old line. They got a $15 million center and two $15 million tackles. You want to know why Jalen Hurts is developing? How you doing? <laughs> okay. Let's go to G Cobb. And we had we had Mike Golick out with us in the first hour. And I, I presented this to him, Gary. I said, hey, man, if Jalen Carter's there at 10, knowing that you played next to JB, you knew JB as well. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about my, the guys I get on here. You guys all knew my friend. And he said he would take him. And I'm going to re-ask the question after all the things. Here, I'm going to ask you the most difficult question of all time, and I post <clears throat> this out there, Gary. I said, after knowing all the things you know and how it ended for Jerome, would you still draft him? Knowing all the things that you know about Lawrence Taylor today, would you still draft Lawrence Taylor? Would you? Would you? I mean, hey. yeah, with, without a doubt. Come on, without a doubt. You know, uh, you know, uh, there are players that come in that really draw something out of the other players that is special, and and that's what really a lot of the guys had. You know, with the Jerome uh, was that. You know, he not only pushed himself, he pushed all the other guys around him. So uh, there was just kind of, I mean, he made he made it, uh, made the whole thing more fun. And uh, even though he would get in your face, 
You know, he didn't have a problem. He wasn't, a, and when he came in there as a rookie, he wasn't afraid of anybody to look. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, so, and, and you saw the way he played in the fact that even as he was getting used to the NFL, I mean, he played hard. I mean, he was going to give you everything he had. Uh, he enjoyed it. And, and that's the thing is he made uh, the the work. Uh, he, he just brought a fun part to it, you know. And so you had a good time with Jerome, but you were going to play hard. And, and you know, he was going to call you out. And there was, there was a kind of thing where he, he was going after greatness. You know, he was going after that. And uh, there was that hunger in there uh, because – you know, you guys have established some things down there in Miami and, you know, all these guys, because, you know, I, I got a chance to, you know, play with uh, Michael Irvin, too. And, and, you know, you see the same, that same enthusiasm, you know, where there's a, um, well, yeah, it's fun. But, you know, like I said, you turn around and you you do something, you know, this guy's in your face. Uh, and uh, both of them had that those type of leadership qualities and they brought, they, they just had a magnetism and personality. That's why you know a team with both of those guys on it, you know, you're going to have a team. If they're not winning the national championship, they're going to be knocking on the door every year because you've Gary, got guys. Gary, don't, that- don't you agree that that team with Clyde Simmons and Reggie and Seth mm-hmm. and even Buddy, yeah, kind of there's some similarities here because you have Brandon Graham, Cox, yeah. uh-huh. Jalen Hurts, Jason Kelsey, that if a kid like that gets in your building, okay, there's a set of standards that you have to live by. Because get this, you know, people shit on Carson Wentz all the time. I'm going to tell you something, Gary. Uh I think that clubhouse and that locker room has learned a lot, not letting it get sideways and off the rails any longer. And I think Uh that was one of the greatest tests of all time for Lane and all those guys. That might be just the perfect environment for him. Uh, I think so, because uh, they are going to make him grow up. I mean, you know, you're going, you know, the, the, the certain things uh, in this type of atmosphere, because you do have guys that come to the league where uh, they've been the best in their area. You know, wherever team they were on, they were so good and everything. And they could come where they still have that ability, but they've got things where they're not working hard every day. Uh, they're not doing, you know, all of the things. And then they're leaving some things off the field, you know, that they're not handling in their business. Well, you know, when you're around older guys who have uh, who have, have played the game and, and demanded excellence out of themselves and the people they're around, that's the kind of guy you want young players. Those guys are the kind that young players can be around and, you know, uh, where uh, they're, they're going to enjoy them at the same time. They're going to call them. They're going to make them grow up. They embarrass them in front of everybody. They got no problem doing that. And make the guy grow up. And they're going to have to grow up right now because, you know, the season's not far away. And uh, they're going to make those guys grow up. And that's what they need. And those guys, hopefully, uh, they go to a team like that because it's going to eliminate a lot of problems that they have because they go to a place where they're the best on, on the field. It's, it's not as good. How about this one, Gary? I mean, you know, there's a big conversation now, you and I and everybody – Philly 500 and all these guys. We were talking about Bijan about a month ago yeah. on him being the right selection for this team. And I still hold to this, and I'll tell you why. Again, there's not a player in this draft that can help this team more because I wrote this down. Get this, Gary, so check it out. Yeah. Miles, Miles Sanders, do you, would it be? This is the story of the one. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shocking if I told you he had the greatest, the eighth greatest single season rushing season in Philadelphia Eagle history. That is also double digit touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to replace that with your quarterback now yeah. having to take more hits with a collection of running backs. I mean, they're going to do it by committee. You didn't do it by committee last year, and that kid was still trending for 200 carries. I mean, yeah. That guy can help your football team right now. And, Gary, so what if you only get five years out of him? If you win a Super Bowl, who cares? That's right. Now, I tell you, you know, the thing you mentioned, though, you, you mentioned Jalen Hurts, see. If drafting him means that you don't have to give let uh, Jalen carry the ball as much, that's tremendous right there because you want to take the ball out of Jalen's hands more. From as I'm talking about running the ball. Correct. Because you do not want him getting injured. You want to take the ball out of his hands. If you had a young kid like Robinson, who you could give the ball to, you know, uh, nearly 20 times a game, if you could do that and you don't give the ball to Jalen, come on. If, if That's a tremendous for the football team because you don't want Jalen getting hurt. You just want Jalen executing the offense, pitching the ball to these guys, but you don't want him getting hit. You don't want that. You want to... You want to reduce that more this year than they did last year because people are going to say, look, every shot we get at Jalen Hurts, those are the biggest plays in the game for us. You know, they're not going to come out and say we're trying to hurt him. But, you know, really the truth is they are. They know that's going to change the game. So they're going to – if they get a chance to pound him, you do not want to give teams a chance to pound on Jalen Hurts. How about this on Friday? You know, I didn't look at it this way, Gary, and I wonder if you do. We had Phil Sims on with us, mm-hmm. and I go, I go, Phil, you know, these dual threat guys, he goes, let me tell you something. Let me stop you there. And the, and the, the thinking that people don't play into this, he goes, the problem in Baltimore is, is that Lamar is so aggressive in how he approaches the game. The same mm-hmm. with Josh Allen. He goes, you are a dual threat guy. You're less more you're you're less likely to get hurt in the open space because Phil says you have more control over the contact it's than true. you do when you're in the pocket. I never looked at it like that, That's Gary. True. He goes, Hey, Lamar got hurt in the pocket. Mm-hmm. He didn't get hurt out in the perimeter. Yeah. He got hurt in the pocket. You have no control of that where guys are flying around you. Do you subscribe to that? That if you well, you know, I, I think it's true. Guy, and see, Jalen gets down; he's smarter. Yeah. Well, but the, see, the thing is, when they're running that, uh, the, where he's he's faking that ball in there, 
and, and you are in a crowd there. You know, somebody misses a block, you know, a guy gets a shot at you. Uh, even at times, if something goes wrong and you just go down on the ground, you got a guy hit you because I'm thinking about uh, in the in the in the game that, that Jalen got hurt. I guess it was Chicago. You know, he um, he was in a tight area. He was, and a guy got got a shot at him. He took his shot, and and you're gonna have guys take the shot. That's why if and that was got, probably the biggest shot of the year. It was. Right? I mean, those, of all the times. He's done really a nice job, especially on the sidelines outside yeah. of that preseason game against the Jets. Yeah. That was probably the biggest hit of the year for him, correct? It, it, it was. It was the biggest hit of the year for him. And uh, without a question, you know, he kept on playing, but he was hurt. And and they do not want that happening this year because he is too important to the team. They don't need him missing time. Uh, you know, They want to be able to run their offense but I, I would like to see them, you know, if you uh, go ahead and get a kid like Robinson behind this line, I don't want Jalen carrying the ball as much. Right. Whatever you got to do, they got to get that. They got to get away from that. And I think drafting him, if that means taking the ball out of Jalen's hand where you are going to have less chance of him getting injured, uh, then I think that's worth the, worth the pick. It's I want to pick at you here. I saw something in the chat room and I never thought about this. Tell me what you make of this. And I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of it and I'm processing it now. How much of an impact do you think the Eagles are seeing in the drafting over these last couple of years with the miss of Justin Jefferson? How much do you think that has impacted where they are today? Think about it. You wouldn't have to pay $25 million for A.J. Brown. Yeah. You'd have two bookend wide receivers. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them still on a rookie deal. You'd be working on... Hey, that'd be another nightmare for Howie, though, because then he'd be up, and now you're talking about Jalen Hurts being up. Yeah. Um. So, but what I'm saying, how much of an impact do you think them missing on Justin Jefferson has been on their drafting over the last five years or four years? Uh, well, I mean, it's been huge. I mean, because you know they uh, they missed on him, and because of that, uh, that you didn't even get a player that is you know capable of, of even being a decent receiver. Or so, special teams, even. That's right. I mean, so you 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 uh, you missed there. And uh, when I look at the team, you know, they, they really rebuilt this team. And they had to go out and get, you know, uh, make a move like they did with, uh, you know, A.J. Brown. And, and you cough up that $25 million a year. You know, they had to do it if they wanted to have a marquee guy there, uh, which is what you want to have if you got a young quarterback. You know, you want, uh, you know, some receivers where you know somebody's open. When this guy drops back, he looks – there's going to be somebody open. And in order to go out and get that type of a marquee guy, it's going to cost you big dollars now. And so that's why you would like to be dealing with rookies, younger players, rather than a guy where, yeah, you got to, you got to fork off uh, $25 million a year for him. How about this one, Gary? Um, have, first off, have you ever in your years playing the game, covering the game, Ever seen a rapid rise like this for a player from Hertz? I mean, Gary, April yeah. 10th of last year, we're talking about whether the kid's a quarterback that can play in this league. Today, yeah. we're debating whether it's a seven or 10 year or six year <laughs> deal at 50 million annually. I mean, have yeah. you ever seen anything like this where a guy just climbed Everest in like 12 months. Have you seen well, anything? Like you know, you know, I, uh, you know, I enjoyed that year last year, but it, it was like, it was from a, 
you know, um, something that was beyond earth. I mean, it was, it was amazing year he had. I mean, uh, the throws that he was making, uh, you know, the accuracy, um, you know, uh, the decisions he was making, you know, he got, you got to make all these decisions where he's putting that ball in there, pulling it out, uh, you know, but uh, every time when to run, when not to run and everything, he, he was just making great decisions all year long. And, uh, you know, of course, combinating with the great game at the Super Bowl. But it was um, very rare that you see a guy make that type of move where you have that type of a year uh, because, you know, he could have been, he was playing on an MVP level. I mean, he's playing there where he's going to be in competition to be MVP because he has such an effect of both on the passing game and the running game. Maybe Terrell team. Davis from being a scout team guy to being the Hall of Fame running back. But I mean, for the quarterback position, though, I mean. Amazing, look, I mean, amazing year. It's, I mean, Gary, look at the NFC. Dak Prescott, overachiever. Yeah. Um, Jalen Hurts, overachiever. And I, what I mean by that is these guys weren't drafted in the first round like you see all those guys in the AFC. That's right. That were drafted either the first pick, top 14. Even Mahomes was a first rounder. He I mean, he's not an underachiever. He's yeah. guy. You know, I mean, or, thing, or an overachiever. I mean, I, the I just, thing is, is, is he going to do that this year? So, you know, can he repeat? Can he stay in that same area? That's a high. That's a that's a that's a high. I area. agree. I mean, like, I think can that's he a, be I as think accurate? That's a topic, though. And Gary, though, here, yeah, that's why I keep asking people. So, do you really believe seventeen games, Gary, is enough to give a guy fifty million dollars over seven years per year? <laughs> it's a lot of money. Uh, and get this, no, they bombed. They bombed with Wentz. I know. The thing is, you know, the, the, his timing, of course, the timing, timing. Was, was great for him, you know, to where he peaks like that. Prior to that, come on, so many people had doubts about him. If anybody's going to be honest, they were doubting. And they're going, oh, we don't know about this kid. Nobody's saying, oh, we know. Now, uh, do I want to see him do it again? Yeah, I want to see him do it again because his decision-making, the reading, I mean, for him to make that big of a jump in one year, it was startling. And so, it's you know, there are going to be people looking to say, can he do that again? You think he had the same uphill climb, the same thing? Because when I watched Lamar Jackson, when he took over for Joe Flacco, I went, this guy can't hit the broad side of a barn. He uh -huh. won't be in the league. Next year is the MVP. I'm like, holy shit. I couldn't believe it. And Phil Sims was touting. He goes, let me tell you something, man. Anybody who doesn't think that guy could throw the ball, you're nuts. Yeah. I get around him. I know him. He is a ball player. Yeah. Maybe somebody like that, right, Gary? Lamar Jackson, because he had a big climb to the he MVP. Did. He was unanimous. Yeah, he did. And, um, you know, even though, you know, I, he had a great year, but, you know, he uh, – he was making spectacular plays. I mean, from the standpoint where, you know, he's got the speed to be able to make people miss and everything. Um, so teams are, I think, playing him a little differently now. Uh, but the thing with uh, Jalen was that he was spreading the ball around um, and, and his decision-making was so yeah. superb. You wonder, can he be that good again? I mean, to make so many good decisions, whether it be throwing the ball with his handoffs when to leave that ball in there, when to pull it out. Every play, he is making a big decision, which is a, a lot to ask. So that's why I think, you know, um, 
for him to repeat that type of year, it's going to be amazing. I, I, I Gary, I'm going to here. here here's the last mm. thing we're hit on here. I want to. I want to. I wrote down the ten best Eagle draft picks since 2000. Tw- since 2000, I got yeah. the top ten best Eagle picks since 2000. Mm-hmm. I have Devontae at ten. Okay. I have LaShawn McCoy at nine, okay. who was a second rounder. Yep. I got Trent Cole at eight, who was a fifth rounder in 2005. I have Deshaun Jackson at seven, who was a second rounder in 2008. Mm-hmm. At six, Lito Shepard, 2002, was a first rounder. I got Brandon Graham at five, 2010, a first rounder. I got Fletcher Cox at four, 2012 first rounder. I got Brian Westbrook, 2002 third rounder. Lane Johnson, 2013 first rounder, number two. Mm-hmm. And Jason Kelsey, number one, sixth rounder, seven. Wow. Yeah. Do you was, like the list? I, I mean, I, I like that list. Um, you know, of course, with, with Jason, uh, you know, being just a, 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 such an amazing pick. Um, Six rounder. I, yeah, that's right. You know, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd have Lito up there as high. I mean, because, you know, Lito was a first round pick. Yeah, but, you know, like. like you don't, uh, do you don't think Lito lived up to the um Well, the you, know, you know, I mean, he became a pro bowler and everything, but he wasn't, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, year after year pro bowler. Whereas I think somebody like Trent Cole, I think Trent Cole had a uh, had a lot of good years, man. Five, he was and he was a fifth rounder. That's right. Yeah, you know, and that's what I'm saying. He had, that was a great pick. I mean, for a fifth rounder, what Trent Cole did for the I mean, for the Eagles. I mean, he had he had a lot of uh, double digit sack seasons. A fifth rounder, I, I think he should be. How about up there. Westbrook, a third rounder in 02? Now, hey, uh, I was just looking at Westbrook. Uh, you know, uh, with about a month ago, uh, they had the event I had uh, was at with them, and I, I told him, I would tell him all the time, man, I was amazed that he could carry the weight because for a while he was carrying the offense. I mean, they're giving the ball to him thirty times, little guy like that, and, and it probably shortened his career because he, he he wasn't that big, but man, he, he, he was ran Christian hard. Christian McCaffrey uh, before Christian McCaffrey. That's right. He was. Well, uh, would you, you agree, know, Gary? He was a great that back. He's probably the most dynamic Philadelphia Eagle offensive player over a span of time than anyone they've had since 2000 outside the quarterback position. Wouldn't I, you I would agree? say so. Brian uh, Westbrook had the most impact on offense. Westbrook carried the offense. He was running the ball and they were throwing it to him 10 times. I mean, he's carrying the ball 25 times and they're throwing it to him 10 times. I mean, he carried that offense because he would make that first guy miss. And uh, he would he would he would always get yardage and and for a little guy man that was a he was a tough son of a gun he really um, had had some great seasons uh, but he took a pound and it probably shortened his career because uh, guy's not that big man he's <laughs> he's that big man <laughs> yeah no I got you hey real quick before we leave here let me ask you this yeah at ten if Carter and they don't move up for Anderson. And they're not going to take Bijan. I don't think they would. Yeah. If those three decisions aren't there, there's a hey Gary. That guy Hooker from Tennessee is now f- rapidly flying up the board. 
Yeah. There could be five quarterbacks taken. If you're Howie, do you trade out of that pick uh, for more picks to trade down and get you. more picks this year? You said it. Howie's going to trade out of that pick. If, 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 if somebody's coming on, they got a boatload that they're going to give him. And you know, that could be somebody that's, that's there. And you know how they, you know how uh, it's like a guy meets a girl, you know, he gets infatuated with this girl. He can't get her off his mind. That's the way the guys are about quarterbacks before the draft. And that's probably going to happen to somebody. And then Howie's going to pick their pocket because he's going to get a lot. And I think he's going to be willing to trade down. I would not be surprised at all if that happens, because what you're saying is you see the way uh, it's starting to happen where these guys start getting the hots for these quarterbacks. Yeah. And then somebody's going to they move panic. I, I just got to have him. I just got to have him. And they panic, right? That's what they do. That's what they do. And, uh, how he's good with those people. And I bet you he probably already got his eye on a couple of them right now that he knows are headed that way. And they're going to be able to uh, make that move. And Howie, um, he hasn't been greatest when it comes to picking, but he's done a great job in the draft because he, deals. Fle he fleeces people, man. He, he, he takes them to the cleaners. And I think he's going to be taking somebody to the cleaners at the draft this year. Absolutely. 17 days out from the NFL draft. <laughs> And Kansas City. Gary, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You've got it. The great All Gary right. Cobb, who joins us every week. And we're so grateful that he joins us each and every single week. All right. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, Injured victims are always the underdog, but that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Have a ball Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Popovich talking gun control. <laughs> Win some basketball games, dude. Jesus criminy. We we're so we're so stupid with the with that shit, man. Like people think they they care what you think about gun control. Remember something about that. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not political. You'll never cure it. It's the maniacs. A maniac has no political affiliation, no religion. It's got nothing to do with race. He's a maniac. Whoever it is, you're a maniac. Maniacs kill. Greg Popovich. It's like blaming a knife that you eat for dinner. What a jerk. Just an absolute asshole. Anyway. So Odell Beckham signs a 15 to $18 million deal because they think that's the hook that will get Lamar Jackson back into Baltimore. Man, unbelievable. So you sign a broken down player for a player who you accuse of being broken down. Explain that one to me. Your problem that you have with Lamar is he gets hurt. And then you turn around and sign a guy who hasn't been healthy for five years and struggles with health himself. And you give him and you overpay. Nobody on the planet would have given him $15 million. How many people think Odell Beckham is a number one guy? Hey, man, guess what? Cam Newton looked good at Pro Day at Auburn, too. You see Cam Newton throwing the ball around at, like, at Pro Day for Auburn, he looked like a star. NFL guys go, it's funny. You know what they look at? They look at Cam Newton and go, dude, it's Pro Day. Same thing with Odell. Odell on videos, catching it with one hand. Bro, nobody said your talent. It's about your health. You're not a healthy player. So you overpaid for a guy who breaks down, and now you're bitching about a guy and giving him money. For a guy you accuse of breaking down. Odell Beckham Jr. on the Eagles would be the third dude. He'd be the third dude. What, what, hey, who would you rather have, Sills, Odell Beckham Jr. or Devontae Smith? I'll take Smith. Yeah, but Odell's the more talented. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean he's the more athletically gifted player? Yes. But Devontae's going to be there for 17 ball games. The other guy's not. And he's not very good in the run game. Not that I want Devontae getting in there and scrapping it up with corners and free safeties and banging on him. Not that I want that. 
But my guy's on a rookie deal. He had 95 catches last year. I'm good. $15 million for a broken down car. Boy, Baltimore, man, it has just like not. I don't get it. Why? This Eric DaCosta, boy, I'll tell you something, man. She's the closest thing I've seen to Jim Buss when he ran the Lakers. This guy is not Ozzie Newsome. Wow. They went from Ozzie Newsome to this Eric DaCosta guy, and this Eric DaCosta is just a complete drop-off as general manager. A massive drop-off. Look at the defense. They don't hit on draft choices. They don't hit on free agents. They're in a bitching match with their quarterback. And he was an MVP. They haven't gotten this thing right in three years. I mean, dude, man, I don't know what happened. Oh, yeah, you do. I should say it. Yeah, as he stepped stepped aside, they thought this guy was going to take over because he was handpicked by everybody in the organization, and he shit the bed. Dude, Devontae all day is right. What? Hey, who's going to make the highlight reel more for his Instagram and his um, highlight reel on ESPN? Odell Beckham or, um, or Devontae? Odell Beckham for sure. But who's going to be the better player for you at the end of the day? Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith's a better player than Odell Beckham. He's a better player. OBJ's more talented. Again, not living up to your billing. Not you're always hurt. You're always hurt. I don't get it. So you think that brings and lures back Lamar? Why don't you go get DeAndre Hopkins? Odell Beckham? What's that do? DeAndre Hopkins is the pick. And you could have got him for $13 million. Instead, you get the broken down receiver. DeAndre Hopkins helps Lamar Jackson, not Odell Beckham. DeAndre Hopkins. Hey, watch this. DeAndre Hopkins compared to A.J. Brown. Well, the only thing A.J. Brown has over him is that he's healthier. DeAndre Hopkins is a better player. But because he's so young at 25, AJ, I'd probably take him because he's younger. Okay? Dude, you hope AJ Brown has DeAndre Hopkins' career. You hope he has that career. Guy was on pace for 120 catches till he got hurt. I mean, he was on pace for 120 catches, 1,300, 1,400 yards. <laughs> that guy's got shit in the tank still, dog. Snoop is the quarterback. I like Snoop, man. I like Tyler Hunley. I do. I like the kid a lot. I hope he gets his opportunity. I'm a big fan of his. Works hard. Teammates love him. I'm a big fan of his. Um. Uh, Kyle Whittingham loved him at Utah. He's a South Florida kid. I know a lot of people who knew him down there in South Florida. Another kid who got away from the Canes. I have no idea how. 
had to go to Utah to play ball the same way Lamar had to leave South Florida to go to Louisville, whatever. Okay. AJ caught for 1,300. Yeah, well, DeAndre was on pace for 1,400 yards this last year before he got injured. And the way I looked at it, um, outside of this last season, all these catches he had, I think what in, what, nine games, 10 games last year, he had 65 catches. DeAndre Hopkins had 65 catches, I think, in like 10 games, nine games, whatever it was. That would have been the third best year A.J. Brown's ever had in catches. <laughs> that dude's a machine. A.J.'s younger. You probably you go with the younger player, especially at that position, and he fits the offense better. You see, that's another thing, too. You know, all the people talking about not wanting B.J. Robinson in, in, um, at the 10th pick, you don't have a Patrick Mahomes offense. You're not a Joe Burrow offense. Your offense relies on establishing the run first. Teams are not afraid of the air attack in Philadelphia. They're afraid of getting blown off the ball. Dude, when you play Philly, I don't give a shit about your passing game. Your passing game is a result of your dominance at the point of attack with that RPO. Without the run, there's a reason it's not pass RO. It's RPO, run pass option. You start with the running game. The running game establishes, you can't run RPOs. Shit, you can run an RPO even if your quarterback's shitty. You can't run an RPO if you have no run game. It's just a PO. I think it's more of a POS. <laughs> it's more of a POS, man. Hey, what kind of offense do you have in New York with the Jets as of now? It's a POS, a piece of you know what? <laughs> That's the kind of offense you have. Yeah, I don't think Howie drafts well at all. No, he doesn't draft well at all. I pointed it out. You drafted 30 DBs since 2000. 30. You've drafted 27 wide receivers since 2000. How you think you're doing there? Devontae Smith, Jeremy Macklin. Out of 30 receivers, you got two. <laughs> two. I got to have that sheet still, man. It's classic. Keep on motivating? No, I'm just telling you who you are. Okay? I'm just... (laughs) Wait a minute. Hey, boy, you don't like to hear your history? That's a you thing. All right. Hour number three. We will reset. Why you should take Bijan at number 10. Appreciate it. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. 
go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Soleno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. National Football Show, hour number three. See, here's the kind of guy like here when you point something out on who you are. This is not trolling. This is facts. Since 2000, you've drafted 37 DBs. How do you think you've done at that position in the draft? Since how he's been in the building. Underdog, how do you think you've done drafting DBs? Everyone else, you help them. How do you think they've done drafting secondary guys? Your entire secondary right now is all trades and free agents. You've not drafted well there. Even even last hour, Gary Cobb went like this. Lito Shepard never really lived up to the first round billing. He was good, but not what everyone thought. So tell me, how do you think you've done at DB? How about this one? Defensive ends. You've drafted 26 defensive ends. How well do you think you drafted there at end?
Wide receiver, you've drafted 25 of them. How well do you think you've done at wide receiver since 2000? By the way, I think that's a great topic. How much impact do you think missing on Justin Jefferson has been to the offense and the growth of the team? None? Little? You had to go traded first-round pick because you failed at wide receiver. Here, your history is failing at wide receiver. Okay? No, no, no. Hoss, this isn't isn't just a Chip Kelly. It's This is 23 years of drafting since Howie's been in the building at the Novacare Center. 23 years. This is not Chip Kelly shit. This is 23. Okay? I mean, 16 running backs, 23 linebackers. How well do you think you've done a linebacker? Honestly, how well do you think you've done a linebacker in the draft? You've been a bomb. You've been a bomb. DB suck. Edge rusher suck. Receiver sucks. Hey, landing on one doesn't erase three decades of failure. <laughs> don't, don't, don't put some lie out there that this organization has been landing on, you've never had a 100-catch wide receiver in your entire history, and you guys are making it, some of you are at least, are making it sound like you land on these guys in these pods every year. Not true. Yale. Yale goes like this. I'm not jumping on them for that. Team wins more losses and went to the Super Bowl. That's right. Because what Howie does is, Howie's good at making deals in free agency. He's not good in the draft. That's okay. He covers his mistakes with free agency. His two corners were terrible. He had to make a trade, and he signed a free agent. He he couldn't draft one. Linebackers had to sign Kaiser White, got a kid off the street in TJ Edwards. The, the, The best defensive interior lineman was also a trade, was Javon Hardgrave with the Steelers. Now he's in San Francisco. You got right on Fletcher. Brandon developed. Looks like Josh Sweat is. You had to go get a pass rusher. You couldn't, you couldn't draft a pass rusher. So you got Hassan Reddick. This is not, those are facts. Those are absolute facts. That's what you're pointing out here. And, and again, the dynamic this year, look, April 10th, April 10th, 2023 is completely different than 2022, April 10th. You know why? Last year you had latitude and you had the ability to spend money. Now you don't. That's why you're shopping at the dollar store. That's why you've got a hit on your draft picks this year. Until two years ago, Howie Roseman was public enemy number one in Philadelphia. You acknowledge his draft history, and now you're a troll. It's hilarious. Well, it's the same thing, though, Tone, that 
because when you when you bring up the fact that 99.9% of the people in Philadelphia hated the second round pick out of Oklahoma, and all of a sudden now everyone is now saying how much they love the pick and they're lying. It's it's human nature. You try to revise history when you can. And that's what people do. How he made some mistakes? No, no, no. This is three decades of them. No, no, no. Three decades. Which means it's a trend. Understand this. This is not, hey, this is, you know what, Tone? I don't think I explained myself good enough here. This is not the Bash Howie. This is to get kind of the game plan and understand their nature and how they operate and how they do business. No, what I've, how many times have I said, I think the organization is one of the best organizations in all the NFL. The front office is one of the best front offices. Look at the coaches since they've hired since 2000. Every coach has a winning record, including Chip Kelly. I've never said anything other than that. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to get an understanding of how they operate as drafters and team builders. They're in a precarious situation this year compared to where they've been in the past. Why? Well, they've got to have Jordan Davis, who they overdrafted a year ago, step up and play bigger. Jacoby Dean has to be an impact. And with the drafting history that they've had, They've never landed on any of these guys to step up and be big players. That's where this is. It, I could give a shit if his name is Howie Roseman. Howie Smith. How do you build your team is all I give a shit about. That's all I'm saying. Silio, you're trying to keep it real and keep this team as lethal. Exactly as possible. And you can't have a future if you ignore you. That's right. Because if you keep going down the history of your failure, you're going to land in the failure bucket again. They don't draft linebackers. Okay? Sign one. They did. Chicago. They don't sign safeties or draft safeties. Okay? They signed one. They got a defensive tackle. They're not very good at that position. They signed one, New Orleans. Actually, I like the Saints sign because after the first really three defensive tackles, I think the nosedive is significant. I think the guy that they got, get this, the guy that they got from New Orleans would probably be the third best defensive tackle in this draft. Dude, I don't care. This is not a bashing session on Howie. Because to, to Tone's point, Sills, you think he's really great at deals. Absolutely. You think he's great at spotting pro talent. He's a better pro talent evaluator than he is college talent evaluator. He's better at that. And he's really look, here, here, here's here. So I guess that we have to make you feel better sometimes because some of you are so soft. And snowflakes. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a Howie so make you feel better so you can put your little heads on your pillow tonight. When you go and trade for Slay and he turns into a damn good eagle and then you turn around and find CJ and New Orleans making only 830 
$100,000. Those are brilliant moves. Those are brilliant moves. Trading the first-round pick instead of gambling on Jalen Rager, go get A.J. He did. Great move. But sitting around telling me this guy's a drafter is insane. But that's okay. There's more than one area. He's not great at everything. Who is? Well, one guy. The thing is, a GM can't be great at everything. Correct. And that's all you're saying. How you must make it, make the easier choices on draft night. Don't overcomplicate it. That's why I say this to you. And this is why I'm saying, okay, let's do this significantly here. And let's do this. What gives Howie the best? What gives Howie the best chance of success in the draft? What do you what do you think gives Howie the best success in the upcoming draft? What do you guys what do you guys think gives him the best chance of success? Miles Murphy, ain't it? What are the what are the off ramps? that you think are viable for success for the Eagles. By the way, know this. Here, you know why you don't take B. John Robinson? If you're rebuilding your team. If you're a player away and you think one guy can help you win the Super Bowl, that's why you draft him. That's why you draft him. Hugh Douglas is right. Having a top three defense is a luxury in today's NFL. It's a luxury. Yale's there. Here, here, here's the here's the vehicles. Carter Anderson, Bijan Robinson at ten. And Anderson, you're going to have to move up. Okay, if none of those players are there, your second best point of success. He only has six draft choices. Go get more. If you're not good at something, the more gives you the better chance of landing on one. If I have a chance between two picks, my chances of failure are 80%. 80% failure, I think. Landing on two guys, you didn't land on them. Those guys didn't even see the field a little bit last year. They had no impact on your team last year. That The first and third pick on your team last year, last year had no impact. Had no impact. None. So, at 10, dude, you're praying that more quarterbacks shoot up the rocket and shoot up the draft board. You're praying for that. You're praying. Get this. Can I tell you what I would do if I were the Eagles? I'd bring in, I'd bring that kid Hooker in from Tennessee. Start talking like this. Man, this guy is some ball player. Holy shit. Unbelievable. This guy is the best player. Man, I'll tell you what. You talk about an underrated quarterback. This guy here, I would blow this guy's resume up and i become the best used car salesman. The more quarterbacks you have in that top 10, the better chances the Eagles are going to land on a quality guy. Man, I would keep bringing guys in to, to fill that top 10 as much as I possibly can. Oh, this Van Ness guy, I think he's better than Tyree Wilson. Or maybe right there. You know, Anderson's the guy, but this I would be do I would be overselling everything. 
Because the more quality picks you think you have in that top 10, the more value that 10th pick is going to become. The 30th pick is your pick for, you know, I, I hear people in Philly, boy, they don't know how to draft at all, man. Some of the radio talk show hosts, they have no idea how to draft. The starter's at 30, and you don't have to pay him. And he's going to fall in line where his draft, where his draft order is. You're going to have you, – you know you have more success at the bottom of the draft than you do at the top of the draft? Last 15 years, 44% of the first-round quarterbacks have been bust, almost half. And you're trying to tell me you think you're going to get it right on an edge rusher at 10. <laughs> it, it, the law of averages doesn't – they're not on your side. They're not on your side. You're looking for a starter here. Get him at 30. What if Branch is down there at 30? I'm drafting him. And I got four picks with the 10th pick. So then I got 11 picks out of it. And Hey, if the Eagles get, think about this, Tone. If the Eagles get 11 picks and a starter out of this, was it a successful draft? You bet your ass it is. They didn't get a starter last year. If Howie wants to win over the fan base in the organization in one sweep, he has to draft the obvious guy at 10. If it's Carter, do it. If it's Robinson, do it. If it's Anderson, do it. Anderson would have to be a trade-up. Okay? He's the best player in the draft. Will Anderson's the best player in the draft the last two years. He would have went ahead of Walker last year. Walker's not better than him. This guy's Cornelius Bennett. Even Cornelius Bennett on my Twitter page goes, he is Cornelius Bennett. Would you draft a seven-time Pro Bowler? Would you gamble and trade up for a seven-time Pro Bowler and help two teams get the five Super Bowls? Would would you trade up to get them? (laughs) This is, I mean... (laughs) Would you trade up to get Cornelius Bennett? Go over to my Twitter page. He agrees with me. Cornelius Bennett, the man himself, agrees with me, thinks Will Anderson is the next coming of him. Biscuit was a hell of a ball player. <laughs> Shit, Mike Gullick just said that he thinks Bijan Robinson's Marshall Falk, but you guys don't want to draft Marshall Falk. You want Miles Murphy. Or Nolan Smith. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jalen Carter's Jerome Brown. But I want Gonzalez from Oregon. Yeah, because that'll help you win the Super Bowl when you already have two corners. I don't give a shit about 2024, I care about 2023. You're right here, Eagle fans. You're right here. Drafting for the future? F the future. The future is today. It's today. It's not promised to you tomorrow. Jalen Hurts will blow his knee up next year. Who cares? Now. Let's go win. Let's go win. Let's go play 60 minutes of football. Care about three years. That's that's upstairs, guys. I'm worried about if I'm Nick Sirianni, I'm worried about, hey, isn't it funny? 
the most quietest guy during this time is Sirianni, and everybody thinks he's got so much say in the draft. <laughs> you really think that? You're crazy. This guy didn't even know his coaching staff when he was hired, but he's got say. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, someone goes, Howie sucks at drafting. GQ. Howie or GQ. Yeah, but you know how you can change that? Get multiple. Like next year, he's going to have what with the compensation picks? He's probably going to have like what, 12, 13 picks? Okay, so 12, 13 picks. Can you imagine this? If you land on three guys next year that turn out to be starters, hallelujah. And if you can get Nicobe, Dean, or uh, Nicobe, and Jordan Davis, and. Cam Jurgens, and you draft right here, and you get five starters all in the draft. He could have, he could change the narrative on how people look at his drafting over these next five years. Because the last 23 have been suspect. The last 23 have been suspect at best. O line is tremendous. The rest of it, I don't know. C's and D's. And he, hey, and 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 you're and you're right, Hoss. Underdog. They've been in the Super Bowl. Well, because of free agent moves, not because of drafting. Underdog goes, hey, hey, underdog. You might want to shoot a little higher when you're talking about they've got a better general manager than Jerry Jones. That's your litmus test. Guys won three playoff games in 30 years. You might want to shoot a little higher, like maybe the guy in Baltimore or what they do in Kansas City or Seattle. Those are good drafting. Those are good. Here are the teams since 2012 that are the best drafting teams. You want to hear who the best drafting teams are since 2012? Number five, the Packers. Packers haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round in 40 years. 40 years. Packers never get wide receiver right. Are you crazy? They don't, they don't waste first rounders. Number four, Cowboys have really done a great job drafting since 2012. You know what the problem with the Cowboys have been? Well, once they draft these guys, they overpay these guys. And once they overpay these guys, Jerry can't stay out of the way. They've actually done a pretty decent job of drafting. They have. But the problem becomes you overpay Zeke. You overpay Dak. You you make a trade for Amari Cooper. And you end up overpaying him. The checkbook is Jerry's problem. The draft is Howie's problem. Jerry actually drafts some pretty good players. But at the end of the day, yeah, hey, no question. Howie's great with the checkbook. Jerry's awful with it. Jalen Smith? So Jalen Smith's on the team one year, and then you turn around, you give him all that money, and you're like, where would you give that guy that money for? Why would you do that? You're going to overpay Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons is not that good. Well, here. He's not as good as what they're going to pay him. 
I can already see it. Okay? <laughs> Tone goes like this. Human resources are the commander's problems. Yeah, man, that's a great take and true, unfortunately. Ravens since 2012, another team, but falling off lately. Seattle and Kansas City are the two best teams drafting since 2012. They're the two best teams. Okay? Two best teams. Who would have ever thought? I thought Seattle was going to suck so bad last year, and so did Denver. They got the fifth pick in the draft and made the playoffs. With a 17th string quarterback who they just gave a two-year contract extension to. I mean, dude, look at what you guys just did with, with the Eagles. You failed on Andre Dillard. You got in the last two years. Look at how many first round failures you guys have shipped out of town. Last three years. Carson Wentz, Jalen Rager, Andre Dillard. I mean, those were guys taken in the last seven years. Three of those guys were first rounders that you shipped out of town or cut or traded for a seventh rounder. I mean, <laughs> I get crazy here. Whatever, underdog. You think you have a better draft history than the Ravens? Seriously. I wouldn't go there. Dude, your success in drafting is in the O-line. The rest of those guys are, are marginal. Fletcher's a great player. Who, Other than Fletcher Cox, it, since 2023 on the defensive side of the football, who have you drafted that you would consider a superstar player? Tell me. Since 2000, who have you drafted outside of Fletcher that's a superstar player? Name me one. One. You mean a guy that's in Buffalo or was in Buffalo or is, I think, still? Name me one player in 23 years outside of Fletcher Cox. That's a superstar player that you would dub. Don't go. I mean, defensively. Defensively. Last 23 years, outside of Fletcher Cox, name me one defensive player that you call a superstar. Trent Cole is a superstar? Trent Cole was very good. Brandon Graham is not a superstar. Never at any time that I look at him as being a top five end. So again, 
the 10th pick can do so much for this team. Okay? Can do so much for this team. Okay? They can. And how can you, hey, how many, what would you do here at 10 if you're Howie? What's in the best interest? What's in the best interest of the Eagles? If Jalen Carter, Bijan Robinson, are there at 10? And and the Raiders, who pick at seven, come to you and say, hey, listen, I'd like that 10th pick. We want it, We need a quarterback. What would you would you trade the pick for a first rounder, or would you draft Carter or Robinson? You're not drafting Robinson. They're not going to. So it's Carter or trade, or pick a player that won't have any significance in you winning. What would you do? What's in the best interest of the Eagles at 10? Carter, trade to pick. Because you know what's funny? I didn't get to the second topic today because we've had so much. Yale goes Carter. Damn, man. What pick in the 2023 draft? Will help the will help the Eagles win a Super Bowl. What pick? Trading up for Anderson? I think there's only three things you do: trading up for Anderson. You have drafted 16 running backs, and by the way, people are going to tell you there's running backs with quality in ladder rounds. No, there's not. This is, this is rated the worst running back class in six years. So when somebody tells you there's, there's running back talent in this draft, there's not. Do you know where the talent is for the running game for the Eagles? It's in the O-line. Dude, they're going to make any – why wouldn't you want an exceptional player behind an exceptional line? Why would you want Freddie Pacheco running the ball for you with that old line? Why would I want a shittier player? Why would I want a lesser player in the huddle that won't help Jalen out as much? Why would I? I'm trying to build assets around Jalen Hurts. And hey, and in the point here, Trying to protect. Look at what Baltimore is superficially doing. They're putting a Band-Aid on a pig and saying, hey, don't worry, he'll get better. Here's Odell Beckham broken down, dog. And here, look what we did for you. 
Dude, it's just, it's almost as pathetic as hiring David Cully because he's a black coach to try to convince Deshaun to stay. I mean, you talk to these players like they're stupid. Odell Beckham, if I'm Lamar Jackson, sorry, son, that ain't moving the meter for me. He's a broken down dude. If that guy plays nine games, they, so he's going to play nine games in a running, in a running offense. Did he do that in Cleveland? How was he in Cleveland? They had Chubb and Kareem Hunt. How was he going to do in Baltimore? They run the ball in Baltimore and throw to the tight end. So you really think Odell Beckham is going to get in front of a free safety and block him? Holy shit. You talk about just an organization not getting it right. Dude, two and 15 to 18 million dollars on a one-year deal. Huss, I hope he brings a lot of Instagram followers to the Ravens Instagram and to your Twitter page, because that's all he's gonna bring. That guy is broken down, not me. 15 million dollars. Fletcher Cox is a steal. Dude, how are we making deals? He's really good at it. That right there is a prime example of totally like thinking you're going to throw your fishing pole out and you're going to nab Lamar to come back into Baltimore and play for $32 million. So wait a minute. You brought a guy in and you're making $15 more million than him and you're $18 million under market value. And you think Lamar's going to play on that deal? Man. I, I, I mean, there's got to be some hollering matches going on in Baltimore because I would tell you, lose my number. Like like Aaron Rodgers told Adam Schefter, lose my number, dude. Don't call me again with shit like that. I have no interest in that. I would tell them flat out, I have no interest in coming back to Baltimore under these circumstances. Hey, look, Brink's truck, you back it up to my house. Always make you feel better, right, when you see a pound of money in front of you. Oh, how does it make you feel when you got your bank account, you got your bills paid, you got some money, you feel good, don't you? Guys like, screw this, man. Their, 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 their philosophy has man, Ozzy, the drafting alone, man, and the free agents, the Rod Woodsons, the Deion Sanders, the Suggses, the Ed Reeds, the Bryant McKinney's, the Jamal Lewis's. I mean, the Jonathan Ogdens, the bringing in of the Sam Adamses and the Sarah Gooses and all these other guys. They were brilliant at all that now. It's not the same room. It's not the same room. Watson says, but people forget some of those talents don't always translate well into the scheme of the best. That's correct, Watson. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. That's why Howie controls what they're going to run. Think about this for Sean Desai is not bringing his defense in. They're running the same shit. That's an organizational decision. The organization has now made these fundamental decisions on how they're going to operate, and they have the track record that's on their side. They're not going to use the preseason in any way, shape, or form to prepare for the upcoming year. They go through the motions. 
they're going to get their talent evaluating in OTAs, mini camps, and organized team activities. That's where they're getting their evaluation. The rest of it, it's just for stealing money from the fans. Exhibition football in Philadelphia is stealing money from the fans. They don't take it serious. Why should you? Why should you buy a ticket to something that they don't even take serious? They don't play their players. They're not going to. They, they're right, though. 22 guys going into the Super Bowl, last two years, they've been one of the healthiest teams I've ever seen. So they get that. If they make a mistake in a draft, which is often, they go free agency and they can't get an edge rusher to save their life. So what do they do? They sign Hassan Reddick. They failed on a wide receiver, a big-time wideout. So what they do? They go and they made a trade for A.J. Brown. They're horrible at corners. What did they do? They went and got corners. Howie would rather go to the used car lot than to the lottery. And that's what the draft is. It's like filling out lottery cards. You have none of us. That's why, wouldn't you rather, wouldn't you rather to build your football team, hit on the sure thing, or at least he's a pro. Or at least he's, Hassan Reddick's a pro. The kid from Iowa couldn't even start there, but you want to draft him at 10. That's not a gamble. Shit. <laughs> okay. Those are right. Those are like when the kid, the kid that got from Pittsburgh versus somebody. Do you know the safety position in this year's draft is just as poor as the running back? So if you don't get the kid branch, what are you going to think? You're going to get a better player in the draft in the fifth round this year? Dude. You see, the amount of millions and millions and millions of dollars that go into the evaluating of these guys. You see, in college, when these guys come out, how many times you see those kids when they put the hats on and they're going to go to, like, Florida, UM, or Michigan, Ohio State, put the hat on? You never see the kid again, ever. You never see the kid, ever. Most of the time, out of 10, two of those guys are going to be good. rest of them, you never see them again. Cut off their team, transferred home, whatever. Go to junior college, get their degrees. All good. Think of the money that the college level spends. Then think of the money the NFL spends. Going back to your high school, talking to your coach. Doing all that. And when you have a draft record like Howie does, which is terrible. What I would do is let me go for the sure thing. The Eagles rebuilt this team, not through the draft. They got lucky with Jalen. They got lucky. Just the same way the Patriots got lucky with Brady. Do you understand something here? Let me show you even more to this. Hey, um, yeah, you'll love this one. You guys remember when Russell Wilson got drafted by Seattle what was that dude's name that was in Green Bay that had what's his name? Matt Matt Flynn. There was a quarterback who backed up Brett Favre. The Seahawks went and went and signed this guy, Matt Flynn. 
gave him like 18 million bucks. They went through the preseason process. Pete Carroll has to go to Paul Allen. And he goes like this. This kid in the third round's better. Russell Wilson's better. And the owner goes, we just gave this guy $18 million. I know, but he's better. Owner goes, okay, start him. Do you know that Tavares Jackson, who was the backup quarterback in Seattle, two years that Seattle went to the Super Bowl, the second highest paid quarterback on the Seahawks was Russell Wilson. Tavares Jackson made more money. That's a fact. The backup quarterback made more money than Russell Wilson did for two years. In years, they went to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Okay? I mean, and, and, and look, again, it's not something. See, you get certain people that will always not listen to their own history. You see, when I when I bring up something, I'm trying to figure out how they operate here. This is really not. Hey, no one no one's debating the success of the team. Cilio acts like how he is going to draft a bust in each round. Well, you have. You have. Why do you deny your history? This is who you are. You're not good at drafting DBs. You drafted almost 40 of them since 2000. F. Your wide receivers, you drafted 25. F. Your linebackers, you drafted 24 of them. O-line, 33. You've been sensational. I I don't really care what your opinion is on this one because this is what your front office has done since 2000. You can either believe it or not. It's, It's That's not important to me. See, you don't like your history. It's because you're not very good in the draft. Look at what you just did last year. You overdrafted Jordan Davis. And, and then you're trying to tell me the steal of the draft is N'Kobe Dean. Okay. Your best draft choice since 2000, it was a sixth rounder you fell into in Jason Kelsey. Lane, for sure, is your second best. Since 2000, a sixth rounder is your best pick. A sixth rounder. Okay? A sixth rounder. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right, man. I know, I know. It gets a little... Hey, this... And, and, and like, like Tone and I are saying, like Tone and I are saying, this is not what makes 
the building of a team solely in the draft here. How he traded the first round pick a year ago. He didn't pick a pick because he knew better. He knew better. Why? Well, Josh Allen really got better with an experienced wideout and Stefan Diggs going up there, didn't he? You know, even Dak got better with Amari Cooper, didn't he? Yeah. So maybe we could do the same thing here with Jalen Hurts, bringing in a veteran guy. They did, and he did. Smart. That's a smart move. Am I really going to go into the draft and draft some dude from TCU or North Dakota State or some dude like that and take another gamble that you sucked at since 2000 where you've drafted 24 wide receivers and hit on two of them? Why would you want – see, look. Look at the odds. 40 DBs in 23 years. Those aren't good odds that you're going to land on a DB. So what do you do? You trade for one and you sign a free agent. That's why your corners are where they are. Get this. Your general manager is acting exactly how I'm telling you he's been acting. And you want to try to change some sort of narrative. That's not true. 23 linebackers in 23 years. Last year, you didn't have one that you drafted in your starting lineup. Did there any coincidence to this? No starting corners that you drafted. Your edge rusher was not drafted. Your two linebackers in the middle weren't drafted. And your most significant D tackle wasn't drafted by you. I don't know. Landon Dickerson. I said, once again, Damon, you can't hear either because you only see what you want to hear. I said they're spectacular at O-line. Okay? Milton Williams is about to have a good season. I agree. I agree. Landed on, guys. Like I said, superstar players on defense outside of Fletcher Cox in almost 25 years, not in Philly. Not in Philly. Do me a favor. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. 
call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Well, Jalen Carter is meeting with the Raiders and Seahawks this week. Raiders seventh pick, Seahawks fifth pick. Makes sense. Makes sense. Like we started the program out, Philly at 10. How many, how many quarterbacks do we think are going to go in the first round? The Kentucky kid? Florida kid, Bama, OSU. I don't think the Tennessee kid is going to go in the top 10. I don't think that. But I'm going to put that as a question mark. Okay? I don't think so. Who are the top two, three players? In the draft, Anderson, Carter, and Robinson. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Eight, you're hoping. So four guys go. Carolina needs a quarterback. That's no way they're going to take a position player. Houston's going to take a quarterback too. How many people think someone could trade up into the first round to get a quarterback? And one of these teams trade out. 
Arizona is probably going to take a defensive player. Do they take Will Anderson? Probably. Anderson goes at three. I think he's going because you know why? Jonathan Gannon saw what Hassan Reddick did wrecking ball games. He's not not taking Will Anderson. Now, Howie's got a relationship, obviously. You don't think Howie, when Jonathan Gannon got the head coaching job there, you don't think there was some kind of conversation on draft day? Hey, I may be calling you and having a conversation about moving up to three. How'd you like to move down to 10? You still get an edge rusher down there, and you still maybe get the kid from Iowa or the kid from Texas Tech, potentially. You still get your guy. And how he gets Will Anderson on the other side of Reddick and a generational player. Okay, this, So you got Cornelius Bennett on one side, and you got Hassan Reddick on the other. And you, you've, you, you, you've got a – that's a pretty good-looking front seven. That's a pretty damn good-looking front seven. So the cool thing about the third pick, there's a relationship between Philadelphia and Arizona. Also, the fact you sent Zach Ertz there. So Zach Ertz has enjoyed playing in Arizona. Okay? Indy's getting a quarterback. Shit, Jim Mercy. You, you want to play poker with Jim Mercy, man. That guy just does not – he doesn't get it. Yeah, we want a quarterback here. We're going to take a quarterback here. Okay. So there's three of the quarterbacks. Seattle, are you are you going to stay on Geno? Are you going to stay on Geno? You're never going to be in a position to get the fifth pick again if you're Seattle. Okay? You're not getting a quarterback next year in the top 10 because you're going to be a playoff team. They're good. If you're Seattle, where are you going in the draft? So you're going to trade up next year? You're there now. Do you trade with Philly? Hey, you might like a guy in next year's draft and say, I'll trade next year and I'll have the 10th pick. Uh, Well, that 10th pick, because it's New Orleans' pick, it's now Philly's pick, that would be a problem. Can't move that pick because that pick's a, that pick that pick move, moves up and down because it came over from New Orleans. Philly finishes second. You're picking that pick goes from ten to twenty eight. You're not doing that. That ten goes to twenty eight or or thirty second. No way. You're Seattle. You got a pick. You're gonna pick a you get you can't pick a you're not picking a quarterback next year. I think you're picking a quarterback. Then you got Detroit. Jared Goff's your guy. Well, they're out of quarterbacks. So you're probably taking Jalen Carter here. Or if you're Philly, you move up to five. No, you move up to six. Would you move up to get Carter? Probably not. So if all that happens, you move out of the 10th pick. You move out of the 10th pick. And you move down. And you keep moving down. Because again, the 30th pick is going to be your position need. 
And it's cheaper because you got to pay your quarterback. You get an edge rush, you might, and get this. If you guys want to land on Nolan Smith, you're going to land on Nolan Smith at 30. He ain't going to top 10. He ain't going to top 15. That guy ain't going to the top 20. You get him, you get your guy at 30. Cheaper and more in line where you're not overdrafting like you did a year ago. And you've done almost your entire history. And the last three decades, you've overdrafted. Again, this is who you are. You're better with free agents, sure things. You're better with trades. You're great with the wallet. You're suspect in the draft. Your history speaks to it. It's not an opinion. It's what you've done. That's not, and and, and again, I'm talking about, like Tone said, what is the least amount of resistance for the best formula for success? That's what we're talking about here. Limiting failure. Stay in the Southeastern Conference. Don't overdraft. You're not rebuilding. You don't draft a running back at 10 if you're rebuilding. That's not how you rebuild. But when you're a player away, dude, if I knew that I I was one player away from winning a Super Bowl, would it matter who he was? Some people, man, that think about that philosophy. If you knew you were one player away and he was in the draft and you're not going to be overdrafting him, okay, you would still go with a need Crazy. Chris Landry will join us tomorrow. We're going to break down the draft with him. Chris is an NFL, former NFL scout. He does this for a living. We're going to put all these scenarios to him. And all questions that you have, get them together tonight. And if you guys have some questions for Chris Landry on the Eagle draft tomorrow or your favorite team, just post them tomorrow. And we'll get to them. We'll have a section and a segment so that you guys can ask Chris, who is one of the formidable guys that I trust a lot when it comes to the NFL draft. If Miles Sanders does his job slightly, we may win the Super Bowl. No, eighth greatest rushing season in Eagle history. And all of a sudden, you're going to do that by committee now. Right. If B. John Robinson, hey, 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 Tom, before I leave, if B.J. Robinson is playing in the Super Bowl with the Eagles, you beat the Chiefs. I'll leave you with that. Xander, Big Joe, Tone, thank you guys so much. You guys have been spectacular. Please hit the like button. Don't forget we had on Gary Cobb and Mike Golick today. We appreciate you guys. See you tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. 
Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.